Hey folks, it's your host, Anthony Desiato. It's Christmas time again here at My Comic Shop History. Welcome to our second annual holiday special. This year, I am proud to present a terrific double feature. Last week, I sat down with returning guest Chris Wilcock of Undiscovered Realm to talk market trends, moving a store, the inside scoop on running a comic book convention, and of course, pops. Then, early Sunday morning, I ventured to Mendham, New Jersey to visit its vintage, a mecca of toys and collectibles that must be seen to be believed. I had a great chat with the store's owner, Alan Boss, about his comic shop history, the timeless appeal of the Kenner Superpowers line of action figures, and the ins and outs of running his shop, which consists almost entirely of his personal collection. It's a holiday podcast extravaganza, two in-depth, one-on-one conversations not to be missed. I hope you enjoy. Dan, cue the music. Hey, Dan, actually, would you mind putting a little holiday spin on the theme song for our Christmas special? Dan Pritchard, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the My Comic Shop History Season 2 Christmas Special. I am your host once again, Anthony Desiato. For this year's Christmas Special, I wanted to make it a little bit more holiday-themed, holiday-centric than it was last time. So I started thinking, what would be the perfect gift for a collector? We spent an entire season talking about collecting, and the answer was obvious. (laughs) It must be Funko's pop vinyl figures. And if we're going to be talking pops, there's really only one person to talk to as far as I'm concerned. So please welcome back to the show, Mr. Chris Wilcock. Hey, how's it going? Happy to be here. Yeah, you joined us for the fifth episode of season two. And uh, we had a terrific discussion on the ins and outs of of collecting the Funko pop vinyls. Uh, And so now we're back here for our Christmas special and we'll uh, get into it again. Cool. Uh, Yeah. So I actually saw you recently uh, at a wedding of a mutual friend of ours where we commiserated over uh, how much neither of us enjoys dancing. (laughs) Yes, yes. uh, (laughs) Not my favorite thing to do in any way, shape or form. No, it's hard because it's like, I mean, I don't know, you know, exactly what it is for you. For me, it's like I'm not good at it. I don't particularly enjoy it. And I'm very self-conscious about it. So it's the trifecta. Exactly (laughs) that. It's all three of those things. And I just I don't like, you know, for somebody who I do a lot of things where I'm like, I, not the center of attention, but in attention. But I don't like being like the s- center of attention. And not that you are at a wedding while you're dancing, but like, you know, everyone's like, oh, look, the guy who hates dancing's dancing. So by not liking it, you become the center of attention and it just proliferates the problem. Yeah. And it breaks my heart because my, my now wife, uh, she loves to dance and she's a great dancer. And it's like, I wish that I could be there <laughs> with her in that way, but it's just do you, hard. Do you think that if you like took lessons with her or something like that, you would like doing it more if you felt like you were good at it? Because I don't know, maybe if I was good at it, I'd like to do it, but I, it's not anything I have a desire to do. So I don't know if that would 
satisfy the uh the the thing that would make me not hate it so much you know yeah maybe i don't know <laughs> it's uh, that's a tough nut to crack i'm yeah. not sure oh, well. well no dancing here no my, one of my favorite <laughs> parts of the wedding was when we stepped outside to talk pops yeah yeah <laughs> it's a nice change of pace a, a palate cleanser yeah and actually well so i wanted to to mention this too and i know we spoke about it at the wedding but um when steph and i were on our honeymoon uh in october we uh, we were in Hawaii. We spent some time oh, yeah. on Maui and then in Honolulu. And we visited a quartet of comic shops. And I wanted to mention it on the show. Obviously, this is my comic shop history. And it's always interesting to go to different comic shops. And I'm always fascinated by how they're, you know, you know the layout and the atmosphere and, and just the interactions, you know, with the people behind the counter. It's always fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, especially if you're in a new place. Because, you know, I'm always curious if, like, it's regional or it's just the same, you know, you have the same jaded guy behind the counter in every comic store in the country. Yeah. And, I mean, it's funny. So, Maui, there was really only, I think, one shop. And it was kind of far from where we were, so we didn't get to it. But in Honolulu, a surprisingly robust comic shop scene. Like, it was... I mean, it's a big, it's a huge city, so yeah. I'm not surprised. Is that like but the touristy area? I know Honolulu is yeah. a big area, but that makes yeah. more sense. Uh, but we went to four different stores. Uh, one of them made me think of you. It was called uh, Other Realms. Yeah, yeah, I saw the picture. I was cracking up. I'm like, this, this is pretty hilarious. Um, obviously, you're one of the owners of Undiscovered Realm uh, in, well, currently in Hartsdale, but soon to be in White Plains. Yeah. Uh, we're actually recording in what will be the new location in yeah. just a few weeks. Just an empty, kind of empty room right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, a couple weeks away. But yeah, I definitely want to talk about, you know, moving the store, you know, sure. a little bit later in the episode. But yeah, that store made me think of you. Um, that was a very impressive store. It was uh, a rather large space. And just in terms of the, um, the, the amount and variety of merchandise, um, it, was, it was really quite impressive. They had a lot. It was extremely well organized. And they had a lot of space to work with. There was an entire section for supplies. Bags, oh, wow. boards, card protectors. I mean, normally, you know, stores have that, but it's a little a little section. This yeah. was an entire area of the store yeah. dedicated to That's that. That's crazy. I'm surprised to hear it because, like, usually it's because space is just... You know, a premium, especially in an area like that where rent's probably not very affordable. So that's that's crazy. That's cool, though. Yeah. So that was a cool store to go to. And that store had, I don't know exactly how long it, it had been there, but there was a sign when it celebrated its 25th anniversary. Oh, so wow. it's been at least that long. Um, but so yeah, that was, that was, that was quite the find, not too much in terms of, uh, action figures or statues, but I mean, a full selection of comics, back issues, trade paperbacks, the supply section, the gaming section, and, uh, they did have pops. They had a decent amount. Like it was more than as if they were, you know, they just kind of yeah. wanted to have it just to have it, but it wasn't, wasn't like undiscovered. Realm. Yeah. yeah. Although, you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it was a, a decent amount of pops, but that was an interesting store. Um, Probably the highlight, though, for me <laughs> was a store called Gecko Comics, which I walked in and it was like being in alternate realities again. Oh wow! Uh, just in terms of of how much how much was stuffed in there, um, it it, ju it just looked like AR. Um, it was incredible. So it's a good and bad thing, you know. Like uh, with comic stores, you know, it's like you 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 need the space, but at the same time, you want it to be like friendly and you know organized you know that's like my eternal struggle it's like we only have x amount of space but i love the way the neat freak in me wants everything perfect and laid out and it makes a difference but sometimes there's a charm to it you know like i said for you it's because you're so used to alternate but you know for a lot of people that might they might prefer that you know so it's it's always interesting to see the different approaches i think yeah it's funny because you know with alternate realities we always talked about this i mean we you know we always complained about how how messy and, and cluttered it was but on the flip you know the flip side of that was 
you know, that clutter is an opportunity for discovery, right? Yeah. Like you could spend an entire day there going through things. And that's what it was like at Gecko Comics. I mean, we were in there, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes, but we could have easily spent the entire afternoon and probably still not have gotten to everything. There oh, was that's so awesome. much. Um, so again, it's like, in one way it's cool, but at the same time, it's like, you know, was it super easy to find what I was looking for? Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, but they, they really had a lot. It was very much like AR. Uh, they had a pretty sizable pop collection, but this drove me nuts. And I know I mentioned it to you. You, you really couldn't see them all that well. They were all sideways. So you could kind of, you know, read, read the name on the side of the box, a lot but of it was not a great display. That. Yeah. I, a lot of people do that. And you don't even say, you know, I've, I've obviously done the math on this. You don't save that much space. It's like, depending on the length of your shelf, maybe you can fit two more pops, you know, and it looks so much worse. I don't know. But I guess, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Um, but it was an interesting experience. There were a couple other shops as well. Um, but those two really, really stood out to me. It's funny. One of the other stores, um, it, it was kind of a random assortment of things. Like they didn't seem fully committed to any one thing. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, a little, little bit of this, a little bit of that. But the wall of new comics, literally every, every single comic on that wall was bagged, which was something I had never seen at any store before. And mm-hmm. when I went up to the guy, because I bought a little uh, Superpowers keychain, mm-hmm. And when I went up to him, I was like, wow, that's really impressive that you bag all the books. And he wasn't rude, but he was kind of like, well, all the stores do that here because of the salt and the well, ocean I was, air. I was going to say that. That's what I figured. Yeah. Although that was, again, that was one of the last stores that we went to and none of the other ones did that. So Were they as close to the water? I mean, I know at it's least an island, of, but. Yeah, at least one of them was. Uh, yeah, because um, I, I know I know, like with like Magic Cards, for instance, like there's obviously foil versions and they're, you know, they're just premium versions, but like. Um, people will come in from other countries sometimes and they're like, oh, the foils are worthless in our country because they just warp immediately from the humidity and things like that. So nobody wants them. So things that are like a super premium here, people literally just don't want over there. So the guy, you know, travels around, he can get them cheap there, sell them high here and then do the reverse and pay for his travels. But, uh, but yeah, that's always interesting, but that makes sense. Yeah. So at least some stores in Hawaii bag all their books. Um, but yeah, it was interesting. It's always, always fascinating to me to, uh, to go in and, and experience those other stores. So I agree. I love it. My, my wife hates, I think I talked about this last <laughs> time, but like, I just love going in, even, even if it's a target or something like, you know, you never know what you're going to find there. You know, you've exhausted your local area. So she hates it though. Yeah. I have to say Steph was a good sport about it. Uh, and she took my picture in each place. I'm like, I gotta get photos. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was a good time and, cool. um, again, surprising in, to find in Hawaii. So it was kind of neat. Oh, that's awesome. Um, could be an area for this podcast to go in the future, you know, kind of maybe not back to Hawaii, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, but checking out other shops and, and different places. No, I know. That's, that's really, there's a lot of, uh, cool space there to, to work with. Now moving back into, into pop territory. Yeah. So when I had you on the show last time, I gave you a nickname. <laughs> nickname of Will Pop. Has anybody taken to calling uh, that or not For so like much? three days or so, it, it, right. you know, it was a thing. <laughs> Thankfully, it died. I'm sure it'll, it'll kick back up now. I don't care. It's funny. So I don't mind. But yeah, no. I, I thought for sure like people would be chomping at the bit to get me because I like to mess with people. So, But uh, but no, it didn't, it didn't stick too much. I right. did like the King of Pops thing, though. That was pretty yeah. cool. I thought about stealing that tagline. Hey, man, have, have, it. have <laughs> at it. That's, that's all yours. Um, well, you actually, on we had a f- uh, Facebook exchange not long after, and you gave yourself yet another nickname that I liked a lot, what Pop- was Popstradamus. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
I was right, though. <laughs> I, I predicted right. a lot of things. I was pretty spot on. Right. So that was it with respect to the Power Rangers pops, right? Yeah. Okay. So when we talked last time, we talked about the original three Power Rangers, white, uh, red, and pink, that mm-hmm. Funko put out a while back. Uh, they were, they're very hard to find, and I, I happen to have them. Yeah. Uh, and so we were talking about their value and whether you know, we should hold on to them and, and whatnot. And um, I guess at the time, you predicted that Funko would do the rest of Shame. the Rangers and or re-release well, those bo- three. Both. Um, both, yeah. And I also I also said green metallic ranger would be a New York Comic Con exclusive, so I nailed that one too. Yeah, I was I was spot on that day. Not always, but that day I was. So yeah, since then the um, they they did the rest of the original rangers. So mm-hmm. green, black, yellow, and blue. blue. Uh, and I have all of those now, so I have the the complete team. And they are re-releasing. Well, maybe not re-releasing because they are different poses for the the red, pink. Yeah, yeah. And so white. so the the reason. You know, for those of you that aren't familiar, they they vault things or retire them. Uh, so once they stop making them, they uh, they go up in value. So like these Rangers are a couple hundred bucks a piece currently, um, but they've kind of they've been releasing a lot of stuff that's vaulted in new poses and and uh, you know sometimes they're a lot better. So it, it's kind of an interesting thing we can delve into later about like the pop market. It's definitely something that I kind of see coming with the higher end stuff. Um, maybe having a slight downtick. Um, because instead of things being, you know, if you wanted the White Ranger up until, you know, later this month, that's the only way you could get it. So you either shelled out the money, you had it already, or you don't have it. Now you have a $10 option instead of a $300 option. And a lot of people are not going to care, except the really hardcore, you know, completists or things like that. So so I think like some of the pops you might want to get out of or, you know, wait a little while and, and then get into, you know, it depends on what your collecting method is, but it's definitely going to make a difference because it's not just the Power Rangers that it's happening with. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I have to say I'm, I'm happy that they, the new ones that they're, that they're doing have different poses. It would have yeah. bugged me if they were really just re-releases. Yeah, they the won't do that. Three. They've until, I mean, they've been very good with keeping their, it's retired, it's retired, you right. know, and they need to do that because that's key to people having faith in the market. If if your investment can just be worth ten dollars out of nowhere, n- people aren't going to really do it. And then long term, it, it affects the whole thing, and it all goes down the hill. So, but um, but yeah, they're 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 cool. I don't want to. I mean, they're actually better than the original ones they by are, a wide margin. <laughs> the other thing to keep in mind too is when Funko first started, and we talked about this last time too. The paint quality wasn't great. The po- you know, so by default, even if the poses weren't cooler, just paint application and all that is so much nicer now. You know, so. So now, do you? So those original three Rangers, um, do you expect that the value will kind of stay where it is? I mean, I feel like it would almost it would almost have to dip at least a little bit. I right? think I think there would be some kind of a dip. I, I I would predict off the top of my head maybe like a ten to twenty percent dip. I don't think it'll like bottom out or crash. You know, the market for the high end stuff at all because there's still going to be the people that want every single variation and people that take pride in having the one that nobody else has and right. and things like that. Um, and it could you know it could stay the same too you know there still is a really finite amount of them out there so it's not like a ton may hit the open market but you might have a lot of people like say you know you're like "Eh, i can get a couple hundred bucks for this one that's 20 other pops i can buy and i'm still gonna have a white ranger so maybe i just do that and then there's gonna be people that want to keep so it really depends on how people react to the market um but then sometimes too you know not just with pops but with cards and things like that too when things bottom out too much people come in and buy them all up because they know that they're going to go back up. And so then the price doesn't really dip for too long because they all get sucked up. So it's, it's really weird to watch these things happen and interesting. And you, you notice trends for sure. Like I guarantee you January, February, we're going to see a big explosion in a lot of prices every year. 
when tax return season happens every year and it's going to happen last year a lot, a lot of the like crazy prices we see now are from last year and they stuck okay so that's going to be the real determining factor and during this time of year is the best time to buy everybody panics they think the markets i, I see posts all the time oh are, are the pops crashing or, or with everything magic cards you name it because uh, everybody needs money for the holidays, so they're not buying as much. They're selling stuff to raise money for the holidays. They're waiting to get gifts. And so the prices plummet, not plummet, but bottom out a bit right now and then skyrocket right afterwards. So And it happens every year, and nobody seems to ever <laughs> notice this. I don't understand. Like If you had a large amount of money, you could really take huge advantage of these swings. But and I'm sure people do for sure. But uh, but yeah, it's now's right now. This this moment when you're listening to this podcast is the time to buy. Um, and then in January, February, you're going to see a big uptick. Well, hopefully, people will heed your advice. Yeah, I, I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, it's that's one thing that I have not done yet is is buy a pop purely for investment purposes. Uh, I mean, even the Power Rangers ones—that was a happy accident. Exactly, and and and. You know, at the end of the day, you know, remove all the business aspects from things. That is the way you should collect. You you don't buy stuff you don't like just because you think it might go up. If you love it and it goes up, then great. That's just a nice, you know, cherry on top. But, you you know, you shouldn't be buying 20 or something just because you know it's going to go up. And, unless that's your end game. And that's fine, too. You know, but, you know, if you're really a collector at heart, you don't want to stare at something you hate every day. So. Right. I wanted to ask you, this is as political as this show will ever get. Yeah. <laughs> Funko did pops of Trump, Hillary, yeah. and Bernie. What was the story with those? Did you, I mean, a huge demand for them? Like, what, yeah, so, How did that unfold? Um, they did these probably six months ago. So everybody was still in the running at that point. Um, and so I, you know, I'll be right off the top. I ordered, you know, trying to predict the market. I ordered probably three times as much Bernie Sanders, two times as much Trump, one times as much Hillary. And it was spot on. Um, so like, I, I probably could have sold six times as many Bernie's, honestly, hmm. the Trump's took a, f you know, Bernie, we sold out of immediately and we still have people looking for, and now obviously it's harder to find, um, Trump, we sold out of pretty quick and Hillary sat on the shelf <laughs> and you know, you could say the writing was on the wall for, for what was going to happen, I guess. But, um, now I don't know what Hillary's at. She's probably pretty cheap, but if you try to find a Trump right now, and I'm sure they'll make more, um, he's like 40 bucks, um, online and, uh. And, you know, he's hard to find. Bernie, you know, he, I think that one has a lot of upside. He's still cheap, but it, like, they're not going to make more of those. And there's a lot of people right. that really probably want that one more than anything. And, you know, what was funny, and, uh, you know, we won't delve into politics at all, but I, I had people buying two, three Trumps at a time because they're like, I'm customizing them to make devils or um, <laughs> I'm going to melt one or like, I'm not even joking. This, this all literally happened. I, so that that definitely helped the Trump sales for sure. But nobody cared about Hillary I, I, at all. I think I ordered six Hillary Clintons and we had five of them for like three months. We don't have any now, but but yeah. So the people who came in, well, other than, than you know, those... <laughs> that was the, but that was the lion's share. I'd say 75% really? of the sales were to people that hated Trump. That so, is fa that's very interesting. Because yeah. um, I guess my question was going to be, and maybe this would apply to the, the ones who bought Hillary and, and or Bernie, but were they buying them... I mean, as, as like as collectors, or I mean, what was was it? They were more speculators, or you think they just really were supporters and they just oh, I think have it? I think it was a mix of things. Uh, you know, it's kind of a more of a novelty thing, um, but uh, but definitely most of the people were supporters, especially on the Bernie side. Um, you know, that that was like people that legitimately want you know loved Bernie Sanders. Um, the other ones, like I said, the lion's share was Trump haters, and then you know the rest were people who really liked Trump. I'd say those two camps were really fervent in what they liked and the Hillary people were just kind of lukewarm. Like uh, a lot of women bought the Hillary ones, right. which makes sense, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, 
that's about the trends of it. It's funny because I think back to uh, working at Alternate Realities and there uh, was, and I guess still is, I don't know if they're still uh, in operation, uh, a publisher called Blue Water Comics. Mm. And they, again, they used to, I don't know if this, if this still happens, but they used to do these biography comics. And uh, I remember they did, you know, Obama and they did a lot of other ones. I think they did an Oprah one at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, but the political ones, especially, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the Obama one, and they just bombed. Like nobody was ever really into those. Um, but I guess the pop, you know, the, the yeah. Pop but but look on the flip side, didn't that Spider-Man comic would Obama yeah. sell like insane yeah. amount of copies and reprint still all holy hell? Yeah, so. I guess when you fuse it with a fun collectible or a character like Spider-Man, it, yeah. it's a little different but, story. Well, think about it too. There's no you buy a comic or a biography, especially like it doesn't really show anything. Like you, you can put that on your desk. You can. Well, look at it. There, how many president collectibles are there? You know what I mean? Right. So, and it's interesting, especially, you know, Trump has more pop culture appeal to it, too, than like your normal president would, mm-hmm. be, you know? So, it's interesting for sure. We actually, we were at a convention like two weeks ago, and uh, the guy next to us had a signed Trump pop. So, I bought it, um, and uh, I, I, I'm not a big Trump fan, and I'll, I'll leave it at that, but I bought it, talking about speculating, I'm like, this is signed by the president, like... How many action figures or toys of presidents are signed? You know what I mean? It's, it's right. kind of weird. And uh, so I'm like, I'll sit on this for a while and see what happens. And like the market was all over the place. They were, I was looking on eBay. They're going from like two to 800 bucks. And like pre-election, they were like 70 bucks, 70 bucks, 70 bucks. And then they were just going all over the place. So, you know, it might settle at a, a nice price and I'm fine. I, I was going to get it as a Christmas present for somebody that I know originally. <laughs> and then it was a little too pricey for that. But And then the guy's like, oh, you like Trump? I got I got something for you tomorrow. I'm like, okay, I can't <laughs> wait to see. And he comes in with a Make America Great hat again. He's like, here you go. So we've been we've been using that to just mess with people all week. Yeah. Well, it's funny because so at work we're doing a Secret Santa. And uh, yeah. one of my coworkers may have voted for Trump. Yeah. And I was going to, and I got her for the Secret Santa. Yeah. And I was going to get the, the, the Trump pop. pop. Yeah. It's hard right now. I know. I've had I've had. <laughs> <laughs> Post-election, too. I, last week, I probably had 10 people message me online looking for the Trump pop. You, know, you can't find it anywhere right now. Dig, dig in some FYEs or something like that. Barnes & Noble. They're probably yeah. rotting somewhere. <laughs> yeah. No, it is, I mean, it's interesting. If you don't mind me asking, how much yeah. did you pay for those? The uh, I got him. He wanted 250 I paid 200 bucks for it. So okay. I figured I hedged my bets. At 200 I'm not going to lose money. And the upside is really high. And I, I, as soon as I took a picture of it, I had like five people try and buy it off me. So it's it, it's easy to get rid of. And he's he's the president, you know. So we'll see what happens, for better or worse. It, it it's going to be worth something. Yeah. So. Uh, so speaking of work, so I uh, I recently got promoted at work. So oh, I'm actually congrats. Gonna, thank you. Yeah. Um, so for the past few years, I work at, at Pace Law School. I've been in a little uh, cubicle area, which I actually kind of like because nobody knows I'm there. It's just kind of tucked away. It's cool. It's, it has its own appeal. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to have a proper office now with a door and everything, uh-huh. which is nice. And there's shelves. So oh. I'm thinking. Yeah, that's perfect. You know, I can bring some pops I, in. I have this, uh, you know, I own a couple businesses, but I don't have an office. And I don't want an I just, you know, just a desk and some shelves, you know. I, that's all I really want. And they joke about it all the time because we're in the new store and there's two offices. And uh, we decided we were going to use them for storage instead of office space just because we wanted to maximize our retail sales. And everyone's like, you had the office and you didn't take it. Oh, you're never getting that. And they always bust my balls about it. We're just doing it the other day. And, and for that reason, though, it'd be so nice to just have a nice quiet area to work, have some stuff around, you know. But that'll be perfect. You should definitely do that. Yeah. Well, so for the cubicle, I've 
literally there I've only decorated it with two things in four years. <laughs> one is a, <laughs> it's a picture of me and my wife, and the other one is it is a pop. It's the Clark Kent. Uh, oh yeah, the cool one. Yeah. Oh, I love that you know, so you know, much. It's funny about that pop. Uh, just side note, like we uh, and we'll segue into the other thing later. We're doing this holiday show right now, which we'll talk about in a bit. And Superman stuff really doesn't sell well for us in general. It's mm. as of superheroes, it's you know right there with like Aquaman or something. And oh, uh, man. but we get these like. With that particular pop you're talking about, it's Clark Kent like opening his shirt, you know, the classic pose yep. with the Superman S. And um, we get these, like once a week, we'll get a guy that comes in and he's like, he doesn't give a crap about the pops. He's like, you know, he's with his kid or something like that. And he's like, oh my God, like I need this. And we'll be like, oh, you know, sorry, that one's like 20 bucks or 25, but whatever it is. And he's like, I don't care. Like whatever this call, I need this pop. And you don't really get that reaction from anything, but it's happened like four times in the last month. And we were having a conversation about that too the other day because one of the guys, when I wasn't working, he's like, yo, this guy came me went nuts for, and I was like, that happened to me last week and only that popped. So I guess it's, it's, it's a cool one. Yeah. Something about it. It is. I mean, it, you know, talking about how, you know, how much better they are now than they yeah. were in the beginning, just in terms of the, the quality, the sculpts, the painting and all of that. I mean, it, it really is an impressive one. Um, I actually got two. I have one for home and one, one oh, for the see, office. There you go. That's how um, good it is. But yeah, so but now for the new space, yeah, I'm I'm so I'm kind of debating how many pops, like how many is too many to but bring in. <laughs> how do you choose what you bring there versus home, or do you get two of them? You know, that's that's the eternal thing too. Because I would, I, do, I would I love to have my collection yeah. in right. both. You know, yeah, you're half-assed in both places. Then I hate that. It's tough. I mean, the Clark Kent one that was an exception where I got two. I, I wouldn't. I yeah, really wouldn't no, do. I, I wouldn't say, double dip with, with the rest. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's tough. Well, <clears throat> I know at the wedding we talked about the Stranger Things pops yeah, and. Yeah. I'm still kind of on the fence about, you know, do I get them? How many do I get? Because literally, the, if I got all of them, or even just the ones that I want, because there are a couple that I, I could yeah. do without, uh, it would be another shelf. Yeah. And we, I don't really have the space. Yeah, so. no, I know, <laughs> I know. I'm currently, you know, I'll probably move sometime this year or, you know, eventually. But uh, I'm tapped out of space, and I just have a pile of pops. And I don't buy a lot of pops. I mean, like I say, I don't buy a lot. I have like 100-something. But like, if I wanted all the ones I really wanted, I'd have like 500 at this point. So. Right. I just have a pile there. I just got Bill and Ted yesterday, and they're just sitting on the mic. And I'm just looking at all these things just rotting away in the boxes on my desk. But, like, I like knowing I have them, I guess, even though I don't see them. But it's that's the eternal struggle. Be careful. Struggle. That's, that's the Steve Odo. Oh, mentality. I know. I know. Out. I know. I know. <laughs> but that's the, uh, that's the eternal struggle, the collector's struggle. And, like, some people just, like, are like, what the what, what is wrong with you people? But, you know, we get it. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, so I don't know. I'll probably bring in at least some. Uh, I don't want to overdo it, um, but it would be fun to kind of give the give the office some color. Yeah, and that's, that's my personality. Start. That's what I was just gonna say. Like it's you know I, I talk about like tattoos or toys. You go to someone's house, look at their toy collection. You see their tattoos. What like you can tell a lot about a person. Like I meet people at conventions that like they could be like my best friend or soulmate or something. You know, and and these are the things that drum up those conversations. And if you just walk past them in the street, you'd never know. And it's, it's cool. That's one of the things I really like about collecting. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so while going back to power Rangers, yeah. so we were talking about this before we sat down to record. Uh, so again, the full original team is out now. They're re-releasing, they're doing the new versions of, of the first yeah. three. Um, they're doing movie versions. Yeah. They're interesting tidbit with that. We'll go back to actually. Um, but then going back to the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, uh, I think it was just announced today that there's going to be a Walmart exclusive of Alpha 5. Yep. yep. And you were mentioning Rita and Gold. Yeah. I, too, I remember right? this from like six months ago when, when Alpha leaked out. Um, today they showed the picture, which is why everybody's talking about it. Um, it kind of flew under the radar, but I'm pretty sure Hot Topic's getting Rita and Goldar. 
um, which would be cool. And I feel like there might have been a putty or something too. I'd like a Lord Zed, but I haven't seen that made yet. Well, how is there not a Zordon though? I mean, these, the pops are big heads, and he's all head. <laughs> it's just a head. Um, <laughs> I I think they're also making teleporting rangers next year, and I don't know what they're going to be. Uh, either probably like have the blur uh, <laughs> behind them, or like they might just be like unmasked. You know, as the yeah, teenagers, yeah, yeah. you know, like that would be cool. Yeah, that, like that would be cool. I like that. So I don't know what those are going to be yet. So I'm sure the whole you know the whole thing's coming. You're going to get your bulk and skull, and they're not stupid. They're going to tap into this, and you have the movie versions coming from the new movie that's coming out next year. And uh, I'm hoping they do like at least like a six inch like Megazord, Dragonzord. That would be cool too. So yeah. we'll see. I'm sure they're they're far from done. So just get prepared. That's like Power Rangers for me. That's something that's pure nostalgia because yeah. I don't still follow it or yeah, watch me it. Either, but me either. But have I such fond everything. memories yep. as a kid. Whereas everything else, like all the superhero stuff, it's like I got into it as a kid, and so it does take me back to that. But it's like it's something it's that I've, I've always been into. Yeah. yeah. Um, but and I see you have there. A, uh, yeah. Uh, so random. One of the trading have, cards. Uh, yeah. Like, my. my my best friend Andre, he uh, we were playing Magic the other day, and he was using. He's like, "Oh, I found this at my house." He's using it as a token, so he's like, "Oh, I got this for you," you know. Um, so it was in my pocket, so I pulled it out with my phone. It's sitting on the table, but uh, but yeah, even down to that, you know, I was like, "This is twenty something years old at this point," and uh, it's cool. I used to have an entire binder uh, full too. of all, of and them. then the sticker ones that had like the the yeah. album that you could stick them in. Yeah. yeah, they were cool. And I think when I moved, I just threw them out. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things, like, you don't expect to keep, but it'd be cool to look back through now, you know? I, I was going through my storage a couple months ago, and I found the gloves um, that they made, um, and, it, you know, it just looks like the Rangers gloves, but when you, like, karate chop, it makes the, you know, nice. and, like, and it, like go-go Power Rangers and stuff like that. They're cool, you know, but it's fun to find that. I totally forgot I had it. I probably haven't seen them in 20 years, and they were just buried in a box with stuff, so it was really cool. It's yeah. nice to look through. It's funny. Do you remember service merchandise? Yeah, Central yeah. Avenue? So I remember one time Got when I was... Got my beeper there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going back. I remember there was a Power Ranger toy that came out when I was little. Like, for the life of me, I can't remember exactly what it was. It was probably a dagger the dragon of dagger? some sort. Not, not the Green Ranger dagger? Was there a red something? Oh, the blaster? Maybe that, the blaster. Uh, so the blaster had a little knife that flipped up from underneath. Yes. And so, it came with the morpher. They came together. Okay, so I'm pretty sure... <laughs> don't hold me to it, yeah. but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And I remember the day it came out, I was so little, and my grandparents took me to service merchandise. This is heartbreaking. And then there was a guy who got there a little bit before me, and he bought out, no, he bought out a bunch of them. Uh, It broke my heart. I never got it, I don't think. Yeah, Yeah. I know. He probably had a store. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, man. God. Breaking hearts. I got, you know, when I was a kid, we didn't (laughs) have a lot of money, so, you know, I'd always go everywhere with my grandparents, you know, speaking of that, and that's one of the one things I actually got. I remember going to the Toys R Us on Central and walking up the hill and, like, unpacking the box and standing at the bus stop with a morpher. (laughs) I have, like, a really fond memory of that. They did make that uh, with the legacy ones, like, they're remaking all the Zords and stuff, metal. They made the morphers and they made the, the blaster, so you can, you know, finally get it for yourself. It's cool. Yeah, the Power Ranger stuff, especially the you know the pops in particular, I think those are going to be hard to to pass up for me. The yeah. movie ones, I, I got to oh, see the movie. Will remain to be seen. I got to see the movie. I'm first. trying to go on with an open mind. I didn't mind the trailer, but some of the like, did you see the the Megazord? Yeah. Oh my god! And the Morpher, the toy Morpher came out the other day. It, it it's awful. Yeah. So I'm getting a little nervous. And the Alpha Five design, like everybody hated. I didn't even like completely hate it, but like now I'm getting a little nervous. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll, we'll see. see. But, but the Rangers look cool. Did you see the pops, the movie um, ones? No, I don't know that I actually saw uh, I'll try and find it after we're done. I'll show you a picture. They leaked out a couple of days ago. They actually look okay. Out of all the things that I've seen, they're the only ones that I'm like, okay. Right. But we'll see. Now, what's what would be on your wish list other than a, a Zed? Anything else Power Rangers Power Rangers, uh, like I said, the six-inch 
Dragon Zord or something like that would be cool. Um, there's not a lot because, like like you said, I stopped watching like a little while after the movie came out. So after the second cast, I never watched it. And, and right. I, I was having a conversation about this too with somebody recently. I'm like, I don't know why I stopped watching because it's not like I my interest teetered off. I just one day I can't even remember it. I just stopped watching something I loved so much, and I don't know why. Almost the same thing happened to me. That's really it's really weird. As no, I find it a lot. Yeah. I mean, you don't know. I you don't hear people talking about man. I really loved Power Rangers Zio. Like you know, you do sometimes. There's people that love the whole series, and I hear it's still pretty good. But I, I and it's still on to this day. But I don't know why. Like what the hell happened? Like yeah. somebody flipped a switch, and we all just stopped caring. I don't know. I stopped somewhere during Zio. I did. Yeah. I did get that. I probably far. got about that far because I remember watching the Gold Ranger stuff. Yeah, I stopped right before that, but I was like probably like a year or two older. I was at the tail end of like you know people who liked Power Rangers, like, um. So I probably lost interest like slightly before everybody else. Yeah, I remember what happened with me in, I don't know, like kindergarten, first grade, second grade. Everyone was into it. Like yeah. that was a thing to watch. Then third grade, people were starting to fall off, but it was still cool to watch Power Rangers. By fourth grade, I was like one of the only people who was still into it. That might have that might have been part of it. Maybe, right? I was just maybe. Like, oh, I'm not going to watch it anymore. That could have been for me too. You know, like I said, I was a little older, so like already, like a lot of my friends could care less about Power Rangers. Like half of them did, half of them were like, "What are you watching?" So that that probably had a lot to do with it. I don't know, but it's so weird. Like I've never had something I love so much fall off, and to the point that twenty something years later, we're rebuying these toys. So like we obviously <laughs> really like the damn things. I don't I don't know, but uh, but yeah, the pops will be cool. But yeah, aside from the, the Zords, I, I don't know what else they could make. Like, who else is there to make? You know? Yeah, I mean, I think again, doing yeah, like the you know the unmasked versions, those yeah. could be cool. Uh, I mean, well, a Gold Ranger. Yeah, you see, I, yeah. I didn't get into that. So I, there's nothing. The white was the newest color I, you know, ever was a fan of. So, um, but yeah, that's it. But I, you know, they still have a lot to do. You do Bulk Skull, Zordon. Yeah, well, you could do the ninja, the ninja outfits. The ninja outfits from the movies is what I expected. And going back to the movie ones, like you were saying, so. They came out recently, um, GameStop had a blue metallic ranger, and it was exclusive, and it had the movie coin in the chest. Okay. And then on Black Friday, they had these mystery boxes, and you got, either there was five different pops you could get, and then gold versions. So you could get metallic yellow ranger or a gold yellow ranger. And, uh, but the yellow ranger had the regular coin in the chest from the show. So I'm like, all right, something's up here. Why did they make this one? Uh, and I didn't know which is the error at this point because there's one of each. But then this month, Hot Topic is releasing the metallic pink and the metallic red, and they both have the movie coins. Okay. So Funko mm. like actually said, yeah, we screwed up on the yellow one, so I don't know if they're going to release another version of it now. So that could make the other one. It was already right. you know a one-in-five shot in a $20 mystery box that you were even going to get it in the first place. And, you know, so they're kind of scarce. And then if that becomes like some weird error, who knows? It could, you know, do something to the price. But um, so they're gonna have to make another one of those, and still no black metallic or uh, or white. So those are definitely coming from somewhere, but I don't know where. So that that's another thing to look for, and they've held their price pretty well too. So those that's something worth buying because like the day you get it, it's worth twice as much, you know. And I'm not saying to do it from a strictly financial, but it's nice right. to know that like your fifteen dollars just turned into thirty, and who knows, might be a couple hundred like your original ones did. Yeah, it's better than it being worth nothing. Yeah. Yeah, true. Well, so circling back to our our holiday theme yeah. here. So what uh, I want to talk about the Winter Wonderland thing that you're doing, yeah, but what sure. are the uh, what are the hot pops this this holiday season? <laughs> um, still, you know, the hot pops from earlier in the season have definitely carried over. Uh, as far as like like for instance, you know, there's a lot of price spikes. You know, I know I said before the market kind of deflates, but if it's a hot gift item, 
the opposite happens. So you see things like right now, the Golden Girls, for instance, are all thirty plus dollars <laughs> on eBay. And you know, I sold hundreds of those things early in the year for ten bucks a piece. You know, you can't sit on things forever, but it's like, geez, like you know, you're you're these these items have a very low margin. So like, when there is an opportunity to get like you know thirty dollars, because nobody has them anymore because they sold so well and they're back ordered right. for months from Funko and yada yada yada. So the Golden Girls are definitely up there, but those were hot when they came out. Um, Harley Quinn from Suicide Squad still. You know, crazy popular. The, Can't get them. The exclusives or the no, regular the, the one? Regular one. Oh, interesting. The regular one right now goes for as much as the exclusives because you can't find a damn thing. Huh. And Negan from The Walking Dead. Um, the, the, the most popular pop right now. Um, and that one recently came out. So it's because it's popular and because, you know, it's the holidays. He's over 30 bucks now online too. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a couple more like that. I'm always interested in, in looking at the trends on the prices like that uh, to see, like, where the interest is for for holidays, you know, but uh, those are those are the big ones, you know. And then everything else is still really popular. Like the X Men ones just came out; um, those have been a really big seller. Um, Pinky and the Brain and the Animaniacs kind of popular. Um, oh, a, a lot of new Harry Potter ones just came out, and I've seen a big uh, revitalization in Harry Potter since Fantastic Beasts. Sure. Um, so the Fantastic Beasts ones have been very popular, but it really revitalized. And I'm seeing a lot of little kids that are, you know were negative 10 when Harry Potter came out, like coming in like, oh, Hermione, Ron, blah, 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 you know. So it definitely did a lot to get more people into it. So I'd say those are those are the big ones right now. Yeah, that was going to be one of my questions. And I, we must have touched on it at some point in the first episode, but like the ratio of kids to adults who are, who are coming in for this stuff? It's more adults, um, I'd say. You know, but we're also, we do a lot of conventions and our store has a lot more adult customers than kids. So maybe it's a little skewed for me, but I think it's definitely more adults. And the kids that are buying them are buying them with their parents who are also buying them right. most of the time. It's very rare that a little kid comes in and is like, oh, I really want this pop. And, you know, we're doing that holiday show, Winter Wonderland, which you just talked about. So it's almost all exclusively families. And we're getting a lot of parents coming in like, what the hell are these bobblehead things? Like, And <laughs> we have such a big wall of them. They, they, they immediately know like they've missed something because they're like yo what did i miss like you have a million of these like so obviously it's a thing like and you have to explain it to them and you know if i had a dime for every time i heard someone walk by and be like oh the bobblehead booth (laughs) you know and but but that's the really easiest way to explain it to somebody traditionally even though they don't have that deformed shape you know for, for the most part but uh so yeah, that's that's definitely the thing. It's it's a lot of adults, um, well, which is be, interesting. I mean, it must be tough for kids because they're not. I mean, they're, they're not action figures. They're plastic, but yeah. yeah, you can't pose them. Yeah, you can't and the other thing too is like ninety percent of these properties are not kids' that's properties. True Some too. of them are. Like we sell a ton of Disney stuff and Frozen and Secret Life of Pets. That's what all the kids want. Um, for the most part, uh, unless they have parents that are big collectors too, and then they're like into you know you'll see them like oh I love uh evil dead you know or something it's so so random to have like a seven-year-old come in like oh ash oh my god but but it happens time to time but yeah i think that's mostly it is is what the properties are because when you have a frozen or something like that they do go crazy for them so now you mentioned the harley quinn one being hot and that was actually something i wanted to ask you uh because you know suicide squad came out and was not the best received movie and i was just curious how if at all that affected the interest in the pops uh not at all let me tell Interesting. you dc if, if they lost money on that movie which they didn't it still made a good amount right. of money yeah, maybe it maybe did it well. didn't do what they wanted but it still did very well yep the merchandise sales have made them very rich i will i will promise you that because there was a huge wave like a huge 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 wave when the movie came out then like the last six weeks two months or so it's died down and now that it's on blu-ray 
it all over again and all these little kids are coming and what's funny is like the stuff that we not to say we couldn't sell but like rick flag katana things like that we're only really selling when somebody's buying the full set of all of them okay nobody was coming but like these little kids it's like we, we keep saying it's like the twilight zone a bizarre world at the show we're at right now because they want all this stuff that nobody's wanted all year <laughs> which is great but like they're like oh my god rick flag katana like christmas El, miracle el diablo <laughs> and we're like yes el diablo <laughs> keep keep buying them please i got cases of el diablo <laughs> But uh, but yeah, so it's great. <laughs> but it's nice to see him happy. Like you know, yeah. I, it, that is. I, I'm not. I'm not jaded and cynical yet. I'm sure 20 years from now, you talk to me, I'm gonna be like, "Yeah, hey, these fucking kids." But uh, but I still really do like seeing like you know the smile on their faces and when they truly love a character because you can yeah. relate to it. It's nice. Yeah. No, I mean to see that excitement. I mean, it's one thing to sell it to an adult who is going to add it to their collection. Like yeah. that's nice and everything. But you know, to see yeah, that pure unadulterated that, yeah. joy. You know. Yeah. Well, the Suicide Squad, so uh, we have the Joker and Harley, just the yeah. regular versions. No, those were definitely the two biggest, yeah. obviously, 20 to 1 on everything else. You know, but we, like we debated getting the full set, but we, we said, we're like, well, Same let's problem. see how the... a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're like, well, let's... Well, yeah, the... There's a lot uh, of them. There's that, and we were like, well, let's see the movie first. Yeah. And then after we saw the movie, like, we're not huge fans, and it was just like, you know what? The Harley and Joker are sufficient so i was just curious yeah. but that's i mean that's great to hear that that didn't diminish yeah yeah no 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 it didn't others. at all and and you know all the characters were pretty deadshot was also pretty popular from the beginning yeah i could imagine yeah that makes it sense. wasn't harley level or joker level but still but yeah no but it's it's you you know i think that helps me a lot too is like i'm a huge movie fan so like i kind of have some idea going in like all right i should order a little bit of these or i should order a lot of these and most of the time i'm right you you, you hit or miss sometimes obviously but uh, that helps. So, you know, but it, you can also tell, even if you knew nothing about movies and you just sold toys, you can tell like what's going on in the world just off of that and when it happens. And like, like right now, the Rogue One stuff's trickling out. And then in like two weeks, it's just going to be like, oh my God, do you have gin or do you have right. this or do you have that? You know, especially with that because people don't even know who the hell these characters are. So it's, it's, it's fun to watch. Yeah. So now when you when you're placing your orders, moving away from the yeah. holidays here, but when you're placing your orders, I mean, I, I know there's a certain amount where, you know, people have pre-ordered or just said like, hey, I, I yeah. want this. So you have some idea, but then how do you how do you fill out the rest? I mean, what it's, do you kind of base it's it on? It's hard, you know, and that's the trick between getting buried in dead stock and, you know, moving. And, you know, side note, the one good thing about a lot of these toys is there's not very often actual dead stock. You might sit on it for a year, but then a year later, they might triple in price. So it's the opposite that most stores have with dead inventory where you're like, I got to clear this out. Yeah. It's kind of stupid to clear it out. But um, as far as ordering goes, it's 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 a constant learning curve. Um, you know, you being in the industry or being a fan of the properties helps, but that can also be blinding. Like just because you like something doesn't mean everybody does. So you have to, you know, still look at it through a customer's eyes. And for us, this year has been a big learning curve because something we might have ordered six of or 12 of even six six months ago, now we're doing a lot more conventions and you know drumming up business and things like that. We might need 36 of them and 72 of them, and it's really hard. And you know then it's a space issue and like, shit, we got 90 white rangers here. Like we got a storm, even if they sell pretty quick. So it's it's a constant juggling act. But you try I've I've as a rule of thumb I try to stay away from heavily ordering on video games that are new and certain movies or TV shows because it's weird so like Overwatch I don't know if you're familiar with that game it's a Blizzard game it's a multiplayer shooter biggest thing in the world right now and the pops you could not get even they've been out for 4 months and they're still like you 15 20 bucks because you just can't get them and as soon as they come in they sell it it's nuts people are like but then for every Overwatch there's 20 games that people just don't care about so it's really dangerous and I'd like 
prefer to err on the side of caution because like for everyone you saw a lot of you're gonna sit on the rest and it's like that with tv shows too like really weird thing like friends friends is a huge tv show and they didn't sell that well and i was like blown away by that and um but now like joey you know we, we were like thinking about clearing them out a couple weeks ago we're like oh, we need the space and then you know but we're all of a sudden people started asking for them so like all right and now i just looked online joey's like 35 dollars, and like you couldn't get six bucks for him three weeks ago wow it's just so weird it really is it yeah you just you'd never know that is funny. I mean, yeah, I guess I asked because I think about what it was like at, at alternate realities and, and ordering comics. I mean, yeah. Steve well, was the very one who, similar. who did all the yeah. ordering. But, you know, it was always tricky because, you know, people had their pull lists, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, ideally they would tell you when they wanted to add or drop a title. But, but the, they don't. you know, that didn't always happen. No. So it's, you know, and, and it's really tough. And uh, although I guess, like you were saying, at least with the pops, you know, they, they can live on. Whereas with the comics, comics it's like don't. if they don't sell within the first week or month yeah they that's age it. like milk yeah yeah that's it pops are like wine right right now yeah but uh but yeah no and that's interesting you know I, I you know i don't know the comics as well as a lot of other people but i do notice that like the comic market seems to be a lot better lately whereas like new releases are becoming worth money right away or you can't find stuff so they seem to have figured that out somewhat i i don't know like i said i'm not as in deep with that as i am with toys but uh but but yeah it's it is hard and like you said you know I, I try to talk to people and know, like, you, you know, you're going to want two of these. This guy wants two of them, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I calculate that up and then add X amount on top for custom random people. But it's hard, you know, and you don't know. And then the guy comes in and he's like, oh, let me get one of every Suicide Squad or let me get. A... And the worst is when it's like a really good customer because, like, you want to give them, you know, hook them up sometimes and things like that. But then, like, you don't have enough to sell the people right. that want them at full price. And it's, it's just it's hard. It's, it's, it's a weird industry. Yeah. Do you have a master, just on a practical yeah. note, like a master list somewhere? Because I know like people must always be messaging you, texting you, Facebooking oh, you. Oh, like, my head. I, I, <laughs> I, I will say I am like, I do write certain things down. Uh, and my, I, I set a lot of alarms for myself, which anybody who's around me will detest. My phone goes off constantly with this annoying ringtone. But but for the most part, I'm really good at remembering things uh, like that. Like, oh, I got to order 10 of these for this guy or blah, 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 blah. And I'm really good. Like even with the wall, like if we're at a convention, we got to restock the wall. That's the hardest part. Because, like, a lot of people have to go check if we have it out there and then go back to the box. And I literally can just – I don't know how, I, but I remember everything. I go in the stock room. I'm like, we need two of these. We need one of these. We don't have this out at all. But, and it, it helps dramatically. And that might be one of my secrets. To, and that's not something you can learn. I just – I'm gifted with that. And that's, I'm, I'm I mean, happy that's really though. impressive. But that, that's the only way I can multitask as much as I have to. So I'm, I'm glad that I have that ability. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Um, one thing I was curious about, and uh, before we sat down to record, we were talking about uh, Alamo Drafthouse, the movie mm -hmm. theater on Central Avenue in Yonkers. I just did the Rocky Marathon there. That's it was awesome. A, it was a fun day. Um, I was curious, have you ever done or talked about doing some kind of cross-promotion yeah, initiative with uh, them? Like when they first, first opened, you know, as a big movie fan, I was obviously ecstatic when I heard we were getting an Alamo, like a block from my house nonetheless. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when it first opened, but I think a lot of the people have changed over from then, but it's funny you say that, um, one of the guys that works with us, Jason, he was talking, he was like, oh, you should talk to him for Rogue One. You know, maybe you can like bring pops or we can do yeah. giveaways and things like that. So that is something I want to talk to them about. Um, cause it would be obviously an easy marriage, you know? Um, so yeah, uh, I haven't done it, but it, it is something I'd like to do or even like, you know, I was interested in like sponsor, you know, maybe we have like Undiscovered Rome Presents and we do a screening of something and we can do prizes, you know, right. things like that. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. One, the guy that's there now seems much more, I, I, not that they weren't open to it in the past, but I think whoever was there when it first opened just wasn't doing their job extremely well, which probably why they're not there anymore. But um, I don't, you know, I can't, can't say that for sure. But yeah, that would, you know, something we definitely want to do. 
Yeah, yeah. Because I, I I thought of you, and I was especially when I was there for the Rocky thing. Um, it's a great theater. I mean, for for anyone who's listening to this who who hasn't been to it, I, I if you're if there's one in your area, I mean, I would definitely recommend it. I mean, they're known for a few things. Uh, they serve you food and drinks yep. during the movie, uh, which is different than most theaters, uh, and they do very strictly enforce their no talking or texting policy or showing up once it starts or showing up late, which you know. Prior to Alamo, uh, City Center in White Plains yeah. was my go-to yeah, theater, too. and it drove me nuts. It was just yeah, people coming hard. late and talking, and it yeah, was and I can deal with it to some extent, like, but yeah, but it, it is like now if you go to another theater, it's like it's 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 yeah. you get spoiled. Yeah, Let's but put it that way. But like, and I really saw this, especially with the Rocky one. And a few weeks earlier, I did the Superman the movie. Screening oh, cool, of, cool. You know, so it's, it's, they do these specialty screens, which is great. That's to, that's my favorite thing about them. The food is yeah. cool and all that, and I don't drink alcohol, so I don't care about that. But the specialty yeah. things are the best. Yeah, I mean to be able to see. So a couple of years ago, I saw It's a Wonderful Life there, mm-hmm. my favorite Christmas movie, and then now recently Superman and Rocky. So that's like my trifecta. Oh, of, that's of awesome. movies well, that yeah, I want to see on the thing, big like, screen. A couple of weeks, uh, maybe a month ago, I saw Bill and Ted and Bill and Ted Bogus Journey back to back, and like, I you know those are two of my favorite movies of all time, and I never got to see them in the theaters as a kid, and like that's my favorite thing. Things that I absolutely love that came out before I was born or I was too little or I just right. didn't see them. It's great. And even some fun thing, like they had Home Alone, which like probably my favorite Christmas movie, and like they had a unlimited pizza party. So you, they just had a ton of pizzas. Oh, and, that's you know, cool. And uh, then they had like Christmas cartoons one, one, two years ago maybe, and they had unlimited cereal at the front of the thing. You just got up. They had bowls. <laughs> they had every cereal you can think of, milk, and you could just go refill it or whatever. And they showed all the Christmas episodes of like real Ghostbusters, Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, and for like a couple hours. And it was so cool, you know? Just things you're never going to see at any other movie theater, and that's their their best thing for sure. I love. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just like a different culture there because there's this love of movies and movie history that you don't you yeah. don't get at other theaters, and it's like at an institutional level as far as what they program. But then even just the people working there, like they, a lot of them it seems like genuinely seem excited about the movie. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, like we were talking about before when you talk to a huge collector, it's the same love. You know, right. you can you can it's tactile almost. You know, you can you can sense it. But yeah, you got to get in there with the pops. I think that's a yeah, an yeah. I'd be more than there. happy to work with them. Everybody petition them. No, I'm, I'm going to talk to them when I go see Rogue One. Yeah, and uh, see. Yeah. No, I think that would be awesome. I mean, and again, Makes especially sense. I do feel like the and and the audience that it attracts, I feel are yeah, more, so much overlap. Yeah, ab- yeah absolutely, a hundred percent. And like you know, they obviously they're a, they're a mom and pop in a sense, but now they're kind of a chain, you know. And you know, but we. Uh, me in particular and, and my partners and stuff too, we we love working with other local businesses and all helping each other because it's rough out there, you know what I mean? So it just makes sense all around. So yeah, uh, hopefully. Yeah. Um, so as far as other local initiatives, so we mentioned that you're doing this Winter Wonderland event yeah. at Kensico Dam. So yeah. what's what's that about? Okay, Where can so, people find yeah, that? Yeah, it's pretty cool. And I think, you know, I was talking to them last week about like, you know, just helping them social media wise and getting out there because it's a pretty cool event. Like, um, it's at the Kensico Dam, which, you know, it's it's a big open park basically most of the year for people who aren't local. And, uh, you know, during the holidays, they have this thing called Winter Wonderland. And it has like, you know, a big Christmas tree. It's kind of like a mini Rockefeller Center, you know, but with other events around it too. So it's not the biggest thing in the world, but it's definitely awesome for, you know, if you're on a date maybe, or if you have kids, 100%, because they have like a couple of the rides from the amusement park for the kids. They have pony rides, camel rides. This year, which is new, uh, they have... Uh, circus tent every hour on the hour they have a performance there they have an ice skating rink which is all this stuff is free with admission um then they have like all food trucks from local uh you know restaurants and stuff around here and it's all nice. really good i've been trying to have a different one each day at work and everything's been delicious um you know and things like that and then they have a couple vendors there's not a lot but this is the first year they really 
tried to do that um oh they also have santa so like if you come with your kid you can get a free picture with santa like it's it's good value um so we're vending there we have a tent and you know everyone's like oh it's it's, you know it's outside but every single thing has a different tent that's heated so it's not so bad um and you know i thought you know my theory i i'm close with uh one of the people who runs it um with their family and so they approached us and I thought it was it would be a good mix. Like it was, I was like, either it's it's gonna be bad for us or it's gonna be great. There's gonna be like no middle ground really. But it's a lot of families. It's a lot of kids. We sell moderately priced items that make great gifts. You know, great last minute presents, stocking stuffers, whatever. And it's in our backyard. It's like ten minutes from our store. So even if we don't sell a million things, we can hand out cards to everybody that might not know we exist. Um, we also run the Comic Con at the County Center. We can promote that. You know. We let kids ten and under in for free, and that's like the target demo over there. So you know, it's just per you know, just from an advertising standpoint, it made a lot of sense. But it's it's been really fun. Um, it's so far so good. Every week as we get closer to Christmas, it runs the whole month until right after New Year's. Um, you know, it gets a little busier, a little busier. So we're not even in the thick of it yet, and it's still been worthwhile for sure. So it's cool, and it's fun, you know, to interact with kids and see them happy and stuff like that. Right, that's neat. And we're, and it's uh, evenings. Uh, so right now it's open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It opens at 5 p.m. just when it gets dark. Because okay. you need it because they have like the, the late show and, and yeah, the Christmas yeah. tree and stuff. Um, but starting not this upcoming week that we're currently in. Uh, well, we're, you're going to hear this in the future. But um, starting December 12th, I believe, it, it's open every day, Monday okay. through Sunday, uh, until New Year's. And I think it closes January 3rd. Um but it's closed on Christmas and Christmas Eve. Aside from that, every day. And so we'll see. It's going to, you know, be better and better. Cool. You know, and it's affected by the weather, too. So it's kind of interesting for us because usually it doesn't matter what the weather is outside. But, yeah. Well, I haven't been there yet, but I do plan to. Although I have to say I, I have uh, I had a very unpleasant experience at Kensico Day. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't really go there that much. But. Um, so every year they do the... Um, so like the Westchester Magazine sponsors like the food and mm-hmm. wine weekend or whatever, and they do the beer and burger bash okay. at Kensico Dam, uh, which in theory sounds <laughs> is great. great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a, really a drinker, but the the burgers yeah, really sure, uh, yeah. really appeal to me. So this was a few years ago, um, and this is when Steph and I were first dating, and it was you know good. You know, yeah, it's a great it's place perfect. to go, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and we sounds we got good. to try sliders from. Uh-huh. Like forty Westchester restaurants, <laughs> which was great. Had so much fun. Got awful food poisoning. Oh, like it was God. in the news. Like there were, you know, oh had a couple That's dozen bad cases. Advertising. Yeah, I uh, mean, it was. Yeah, uh, that lives with you. I don't eat Chinese food anymore <laughs> after really, really bad food poisoning, and I loved Chinese food. So yeah, that's that's that will stick with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. I mean, I I went back to eating burgers probably relatively quickly, uh, but it was uh, you're <laughs> it was lucky. a little tough. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 the worst. But yeah, there's no uh, no food poisoning no, no that I know food, of no, so no, no, far, no. and I've, I've ate a lot of food there, so <laughs> everything's been delicious. No, that was just that other. No, event. yeah, I mean, well, if you're cooking that many burgers really fast, you're you're primed for problems, yeah. I guess. Outdoors, it broke my heart because it's like one of my favorite foods betrayed me. Yeah, yeah, I oh, know, right? Rough. General Sal betrayed me, so yeah. I mean, if it had been something that I, you know, was I, I didn't normally eat, or I was just trying it for yeah. whatever, it, you know, it wouldn't have been so <laughs> bad. But that was really heartbreaking. Um, so you got the Winter Wonderland thing going on. So hopefully yeah. people will. Uh, yeah. So this will this will be airing uh, in just over a week to something. Okay. 14th, so you so. guys will still have plenty of time, and you know, if you have kids, definitely come out. And if you don't have kids, it's a little less for you to do, but it's still fun, and it's it's not very expensive. It's like ten, twelve bucks or something like that. So, and you know, just for the ice skating, if you went ice skating, it would cost you more than that. So. Come out, see the tree, have some fun, eat some good food. 
Right. So I want to shift a little bit and talk about uh, what you're doing right now. So we are yeah, sitting here. a lot of things going on at once. <laughs> in what will be the new location of Undiscovered Realm. Um, this is something that's interesting to me. So on this podcast, we've talked about opening a comic shop, running a comic shop, and closing a comic shop. Uh, moving, moving. <laughs> moving one is a little bit different. And that's something that's very interesting to me because uh, a number of us always used to talk about this with alternate realities, um, that it would be interesting to move to a different location. Um it's kind of like a, an opportunity for, you know, a, a second, first impression, yeah. right? Um, and at AR in particular, uh, so for the past few years, right next door, there's been a massage parlor. Yeah. And yes, that kind of massage yeah. parlor. I can't remember if we talked about this on no, the show no, the first you know, season. No, no, I, I, uh, I don't think you did. And I was always curious about that. I meant to talk to you about that in general, like if there was any funny stories, because there has to be. <laughs> Not, I mean, oh. I hate to disappoint. Ah. I mean, so when I say, though, it is that kind of massage parlor. I mean, there have been, it's been raided yeah, yeah, and shut yeah. down and then it reopens. Um, you know, there have been times, so there's a deli on the, on the other side of where the <laughs> store was and there are tables and chairs yeah. outside. So a lot of times we'd get coffee or lunch, we'd be sitting outside and you see guys go in to the massage parlor yeah. and come out in like yeah. five minutes. So it's five like, minutes. Well, yeah, they're well. just down to business. You yeah. just get the massage. <laughs> so uh, I guess that's, I mean, that's probably the extent of it. I mean, uh, <laughs> That's funny though. I wish I had a juicier way. story to tell. No, no, I just uh, <laughs> I can I you know I figured maybe you hear some stuff through the walls or I don't know like. No, nothing like that. But it was just yeah in it. But like yeah, That's you would crazy. see these guys coming in and out so quickly. <laughs> um, but before the massage parlor took over, the the store was vacant. That that space was vacant for a while, and we always talked about how like it would be cool. I mean to knock down the wall and expand the store or, you know, on a, on a probably more realistic level, just move the store. Yeah, you know, I'm surprised you guys never did move because your rent was crazy. Not to get into specifics, yeah. but you could have, you, you know, you could have definitely been in a bigger spot for the same price. So I'm surprised you never, I bet it's a lot of work, especially yeah. if that store's packed to the gills. So yes. I can imagine I wouldn't want to be the one to have to move that. Yeah, um, but th that was something that I think we were all always kind of excited about that prospect i mean i don't i don't think it was something that steve ever seriously entertained i think it was more us just being like oh yeah. it'd be great we could even yeah, just yeah. move next door because it is that opportunity to really clean house and it's a and fresh start. Yeah. yeah um so how did this come about for for you guys how long have you been at, at five the, years five okay so yeah so our lease was coming up and from the beginning you know we we had a lot of ideas that we always wanted to do and you know but we had to work within the confines we had you know we have x amount of space can do x amount of things you know we always wanted to be able to do bigger tournaments or do more video game tournaments or, you know, be bigger into comics, you know, you name it. Like we, we had, you know, big ideas from the beginning, but, you know, we had to naturally do it. Um, so we were constantly always talking about, I, I'd say from the moment we opened, we were always thinking about the next store, you know. We knew that we, we were going to outgrow that very quickly. Um, so, so it wasn't like a surprise thing. And I'm one of those people, you know, we have a couple businesses. So like whenever I drive up and down the central or wherever, I always look at stores and I picture what could be there and what would do well. And like, not even for myself, just in general. Um, and so I always keep an eye out and this place that we're in now, you know, I, it, I always had my eye on it. It used to actually be a tattoo supply place. Uh, and I own a tattoo shop. So occasionally we'd need something and I would come here and I'm like, oh, that's a pretty nice space, you know? And so it's only a block off Central Avenue. Like I can see it out the window right now, but it's slightly off the beaten path from Central Avenue. So the rents aren't as insane. So it's doable. Um, so I noticed it was open and the lease was, you know, we're getting to the end of the year. So I was like, all right, now I can actually start looking at places because before that it was pointless. You know, things changed, open, closed. Yeah. So anyway, came here. It was perfect size, perfect rents. And it was pretty quick. I mean, I'd say from the time we talked to the landlord to the time we were signing the lease, like a week and a half. And 
Um, it's only a mile from our current location. So I did a lot of research. I did a big poll of our customers. Um, and I, you know, I knew no matter what, I didn't want to go too far from where we were because uh, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, also, we were, you know, a, a walk from the Hartsdale train station. We got a lot of people from New York City and from the Bronx and things like that. So I wanted to make sure we were still within distance of the bus and all that. So there were some rules that I was going by. Um, and I did a poll and 80% of our customer base was coming from north, from above us. So I was like, okay. So not that that would exclude going down, but now we're a mile more north and we're right. closer to White Plains and we're right off the highway. And So it made sense on every level and it just kind of happened. Um, so that's why we did it. And now we're kind of in the process. Like we're literally in an empty room right now with just some boxes. But we have about three, you know, the, the challenge of the move for us, I'd say more than anything else is that it's during December. So we're any other time we'd say, screw it, let's close for a week or two and just move everything, right? We can't do that. We're right on Central Avenue, the busiest area in the county probably during the busiest shopping time of the year. You know, we just can't. So we really need to stay fully stocked and open to like December 26th because that's a huge shopping day too. So no, we're really going to yeah. have like a five-day window to completely move stores while patching and painting the other one so it's back to, you know, normal condition. And it's going to be interesting. And we have the holiday show at the dam and <clears> – <throat> The, so we have basically the day after Christmas, we're moving. We're setting up on New Year's Day. We should be open. We're throwing a huge free tournament for 500 bucks in cash uh, for Magic um, for everybody. And then the second, we have to pack up at the dam. And the third, we drive 24 hours to New Orleans uh, for a giant <laughs> convention. So, yeah, it's going to be awesome. I, I can't wait. <laughs> Yeah, you are one of the busiest people I know, and I give you a lot of credit. Thanks, you, I mean, you work it's hard. hard. It's you got hard. A lot of, you know, you got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. This this one is last year. I joke all the time, but last year we had our tattoo convention, New York Comic Con, and my wedding, all with three weeks back to back to back. And I was like, God, ah, nothing's ever going to be more hectic than this for the rest <laughs> of my life. And here we are. This might be the month that kills me finally, but I keep joking. But I, we're we're, we're going to do it, and we're lucky that we have a lot of great friends, employees, and just customers like. And that's another thing, you know, going back to like alternate realities is case in point, you know, it becomes a family and we have all these people that are willing to help us. And that's the only reason we'd be able to do this in the time frame we have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, so it's, so as far as what you're moving, I mean, it's the stock at this, it's primarily the, the pops, Well, right? pops, we have a lot of cards. Um, we have, you know, back stock and things like that. Display cases, tables, right. chairs, yeah, yeah. you know, so it, it's, it's not like. You know, a U-Haul or two, we're going to be able to move mostly everything because a lot of our stuff is small, but just a lot of it. Um, but, you know, it's moving the fixtures. And, like, one of the biggest challenges is, like, just the slat wall, you know, the stuff you put the shelves yeah. on. Like, <laughs> because we can't take it off. We have to take everything down, take it off, move it over here. We had to paint over here first, then go over there at the same time, paint the walls and fix the holes. And so it's not like we can do things in a in a ideal order. Right. Um, we're, we're basically doing two things at once, so it's hard. Um, so that the fixtures are the biggest problem and we're on a second floor, um, at our, our new location. So we have to go up the stairs. Um, it's just like Midtown Comics. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There you go. It's very similar, uh, staircase. So, uh, you know, we got to carry all this stuff up the stairs. So that, that's going to be the only headache. I'm, I'm not looking forward to moving the vending machine up the stairs case. <laughs> uh, other than oh, that, I'm not really that. worried yeah. about it. Yeah. It's going to be fun, you know, but uh, I've done worse, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, uh, you know, again, we talked about it a lot on the show, but dismantling alternate realities and moving all that stuff out it was yeah. such such a beast of a project yeah and then 
you, on the reverse, you had to set it back up. But I am excited in a way because, like you said before, I'm I'm very big on like setting things. I love when I walk into yeah. an, a room, whether it's someone's house or wherever. I'm always like, what can I do here? What can I do? So it's fun to sit and I literally had to, you know, we we had to set up and make a blueprint. We had to do all this. so it's fun, but it's it's a lot of work. But it's gonna be cool. You know, I'm I'm excited to be able to do all the things that we envisioned from the beginning. Right. It's like a new lease on life almost. Yeah. So, I mean, what would you say? I mean, I, you, you were getting at this before, but I mean, what are, I guess, what are some of the main things that you're looking to, I guess, you know, improve or, or do differently? Uh, yeah, from well, we'll, we'll be able to we'll have bigger tournaments for sure. Like, you know, on a busy tournament day, we were maxed out. We'd have to cap tournaments at X amount of people. That's something we can at least double, if not more. Yeah, I mean, this uh, space, obviously, listeners can't see it, but it, well, although we'll take a picture, but I mean, it is massive. Yeah, it's, it's a little, it's, it's at least double. Plus a lot more storage. So uh, without the storage, it's it's at least double our floor space that we have now. And probably a little bigger. Um, so, you know, one thing we're, we're putting a bunch of... Uh, we're going to have a, a whole lineup of TVs with Xboxes, Playstations, GameCubes, Wiis. You know, you name it. Um, we're going to be having like... You can come and, you know, play video games hourly if you want. Play online. We'll have tournaments. You know, a lot of that stuff, which we... Sorry. We couldn't really do before. Um, and then uh, we're going to be doing a lot more comics. Weekly comics, which we didn't have space before. Um, things like that, uh, you know, just just the things we already did bigger and better, and then the things we've always wanted to do from from the start, like we were talking about. So the comics and the video games will be the the biggest addition. Uh, we want to really expand on board gaming and other games that we might not have supported as much tabletop gaming. You know, things that we just were didn't have the space for. I mean, that's really what it came down to. Yeah. All right. Well, so come the new year. Uh, customers can find Undiscovered Realm at 66 Fulton, Fulton Street. Street. Yeah, White Plains. White Plains. 10606. And new website too, correct? Yeah, oh, yeah. So that, that that's another thing that we're doing at the same time. And it's pretty much done. I just haven't fully switched it over yet just because it's been so hectic. Really wanted to get it up for the holidays, obviously. But right. I figure new store, new website at the same time, it's good time to start it, I guess. Um, it's really nice. Um, we're, we're, we really made a big focus on pre-ordering, like pops and things like that. Um, because like a lot of people... You know, they show the photos months before they come out and people just start searching for places to order them, you know. And so by the time they're actually out and in hand, people have already allocated their money somewhere. Even if, and we're a lot cheaper. Like, you know, we sell at 10 bucks. We're like, you know, everybody else has been raising their prices, like, increasingly. GameStop is now 13 for regular pops. Hot Topic's 13. Um, and we've stayed at 10, you know. And that's and for pre-orders, if you order before it comes out, we'll have it on release and we're only doing for eight ninety nine. That's one of the big things we're doing on our website. So oh, cool. It's a really good feature. And the second something's announced, it'll be available on our site to order. And, you know, you can reserve it. It'll either come pick it up in the store. We'll ship it to you, you know, whatever. Um, so, so that's cool. And I'm excited for that. And we built it around that functionality. But it really is a really beautiful website. Uh, and, you know, even for cards and stuff, like the buy list is nice. We'll have that updated with things we were constantly looking to buy. And it's just going to be nice in general. Yep. All right, cool. Well, hopefully, uh, listeners will uh, check you guys out online as yes, well. Yes, undiscoveredrealm.com. Um, but, you know, in a couple of weeks, the new site will be up. So, yeah, check it out. You know, we appreciate it. Now, speaking of projects of yours, because uh-huh. <laughs> I'm fascinated to, to talk to you about this. You know, a lot of the episodes uh, that we've done in the past that I think people have really responded to are the ones that, you know, kind of take you behind the scenes. Sure. So, you know, obviously, we talk so much about the running of a comic shop. You run a comic book convention. Yeah. Which, you know, again, that's not anything I've ever had any part in. So I'm really curious to find out what goes into that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's, <laughs> I forgot about these things, actually. This is another thing we're currently doing. So it's we're, we're busy, guys. Um, but yeah, we're, we're in the, I wouldn't say the thick of it, but we're in the, close to the thick of it right now. You know, we're in the booking stage. 
we just redid the whole website for that as well. Um, so that's up. You know, we're you know the hardest part with conventions, it's a balancing act. So you have a lot of different people coming for very very different reasons. Some some conventions balance them well. Some cater to one niche over the other. You know, you have the people that come for cosplay only. Right. Um, you have the people that come to shop the vendors for toys. You have the people who come to comic vendors and dig through long boxes. You have the people who come for artists and artist alley. You have people who come just to meet comic creators. And then, you know, you have people that come only for celebrity guests. And so you, this is like six, seven different fandoms all converging at once. And it's it's a very, very difficult balancing act. And one of the hardest things is, you know, booking the guests. And it's a really tight rope to walk. Like, you know, you, you want to have a good mix of things. Um, but, you know, you also have to be budget conscious and... You know, figure you don't want you. You know, you can't put everything on the line, and you know, one guy doesn't work out, and then you're out of business. You know, and it's it could be that simple. Some of these people command upwards of over a hundred thousand dollars for just a weekend appearance. You know, so yeah, that was that's absolutely one of the things I want to get into because you were telling me some of some of this. You know, the last time we recorded yeah. uh, after, and it was <laughs> it was just it was amazing. Um, but I guess to just sort of you know back it up first. Um, I mean, what is the first step in this process? Like, you decide you want to... What makes you even want to take this on in the first place? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm crazy. <laughs> no, we... we um, no, no, I mean, I'm, it's fantastic. But it's... I mean, it's... No, it's it is so, cool. I like so seeing ambitious. things come together. And I really like our area, you know. And for such a rich, diverse area right outside New York City, you know, yeah. you have to go to the city for everything. And we have such a great area here. And there was... Part of it was a lack of things being here. But not not even necessarily from a like financial standpoint, like oh, there's a hole, let's fill it. Just from being a fan and wanting to do these things myself, and you know, at the end of the day, business is business, obviously. But everything I do, I try to do from the standpoint of a fan, um, and something that I would want to see. And I think that is part of the success. Um, and I try to keep that, you know, as much as I can. So we also we all, we run the tattoo convention yes. in the same building. So that there's some segue there. So a lot of things learned from that obviously roll right over but as much as there's a lot of the same there's it's very different beasts at the same time and uh so that's why we started it um you know as far as planning it where do you begin it, you know you want to you want to be vendor friendly and that going back to you know we see it on both sides of the coins a lot of the people that put these shows on they've either been doing it for so long that they were the one of the originals and you know it's just built up organically over time and they're kind of foolproof or you, a lot of people are like, oh, this looks popular. It's a cash grab. And those don't last. It's not authentic. And you can usually see it from the beginning. But unfortunately, there, you know, there's been a rash of shows this year alone where everybody's deciding they can put on a show and, you know, they're booking all these guests and, you know, they're not doing it properly. Nobody's showing up. They're owing out money and they're getting threatened by celebrities. It's crazy. It's been, a, it's been an insane year. I can tell you stories. But we, we travel the country and we're vendors as well. So we try to see it from both sides. Like what would make us happy if we were appearing at this convention? And what would we like to do as a promoter? And what would we like to see as a fan? So when we take that trifecta of things, you know, I think that's one of the secrets. And that's where we try to base everything from the beginning. You know, getting into booking guests, it gets, it's really, it's crazy. Like, 
you're you you could walk you could walk through the background of a scene, especially like horror guests. Some of these people, it's like <laughs> killed by Jason number three in the seventh Friday the thirteenth movie, and that guy's at a convention every weekend and he's charged at least a couple grand, you know? And like you can you really like bank off this. Like I know in Hollywood it's a thing right now where people are literally telling their agents, get me into like some comic related or pop culture show because you're set for your life. You know, like these people make more money appearing at the the convention for the week and then they do filming the show and and uh you know it's crazy so again going back to budgeting that's the hardest part finding a good mix of things you know you don't want to have all comic people you don't want to have all tv people or movie people you know you need a good mix and different genres you know somebody who cares about the power rangers might not care about walking dead or might not care about this so yeah, that's basically where you start. And then you decide how much money you're willing to put on the line or, or risk and, you know, who you think would do well. And, you know, somebody who does well here might do awful in the middle of the country and vice versa. So there's there's a lot of variables to it. I mean, if you have any specifics you're curious about, that would probably be ask. Yeah. I'd be happy to answer them. <laughs> Well, I guess, I mean, just getting started. So, I mean, obviously you did it at the Westchester County Center, and mm-hmm. that's where you do the tattoo convention as yeah. well. Was there ever any consideration of doing it elsewhere, or that was um, always going to be the place? Well, a couple things. There's really nowhere else to do it around here of size. Like, there's a couple yeah. hotel things and that, but not at the scale. You know, the County Center, uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's kind of like a mid-sized place. It's much bigger than your average, like hotel ballroom or something like that but it's smaller than like your average giant convention center so it's it has its unique issues um but it's also right in our backyard we know the area our customers are here we're here so we can target our advertising better and it's our market so that was one major plus um we don't have to travel there's you save on some expenses there so there wasn't really a thought of going anywhere else from the beginning um, and there's not a lot of options, like I said, so <laughs> that, that, that aside, um, but it, it's a great building for that, those reasons. Um, the staff there is really great and, you know, I can't see being anywhere else. It, it is possible to outgrow, but you know, that's just, that's a good problem to have. If, if, if that ever happens, you know, get your tickets early. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Um, and then the timing of it. So you did it last year. Uh, obviously I was there. I'm trying yeah, to remember. And, it was, uh, it was the very April? last day of April and yes. the first day of May. Okay. Um, and that was pretty much on purpose um you know there's so many events popping up now uh we try to be conscious of that you have to be conscious of that because that could kill the show right off the top if you're competing with 10 other shows um and also for guests if everybody's booking the same weekend you know your possible roster gets a lot thinner um so we try to stay about six months away from new york comic-con um also it's not the winter anymore you're not going to get you know a snowstorm coming through that's gonna cause you to not have any attendance or like that event in jersey that steven amell yeah exactly exactly although the people who were there got to hang out with yeah, him at the yeah, hotel, like fun. all day yeah. so yeah, it's snowed not in with them which is cool <laughs> but from a promoter standpoint that's scary stuff um they you know they have yeah, insurance yeah. for that stuff but but that aside so that was something we thought of also we wanted like people to be able to come out in costume and not be freezing to death right. and have snow you know so we all these things came into account and we decided on april time frame um, for this year, one of the ma- we were downstairs. It's a two-floor building. Downstairs, a little smaller. We decided to start on the smaller side and organically grow it. You know, instead of just forcing things. Um, so it went well, and you know, we decided to move upstairs this year. Now the upstairs is booked like every weekend, and the shows that are there, you know, they're pretty much there at least once a year, the same time every year. And so there's not really a lot of gaps, like right. the people, unless the show doesn't come back. So we were trying and trying and trying. And there was just no dates, and I'm like, all right. 
Uh, and then also our tattoo conventions in October. So six months from that, because it really is like six months of work before the convention. Like, yeah, I can imagine about, yeah, each one takes about six months. So as soon as that one ends, this one begins. So that was another reason. But that aside, we were like, all right, we were trying all year to get the dates right away. None of the dates we needed were available. We're working out um, because that building has the Knicks minor league team and they have to hold like a six week block in case they make the playoffs. And if they don't make the playoffs, which they don't usually, uh, then it's just open, but you can't plan around that because you won't know until right before. So for certain shows, you know, reptile shows, something like that, they can pop in and whatever. We can't do that. So I set a hard date. I was like, once the tattoo convention comes, if we don't have a date yet, we're just going to have to go back downstairs because we, we have six months at that point. We, we got to start this. Uh, the day before my cutoff in my head, they call me and they're like, uh, hey, is uh, April, uh, we're April 8th and 9th this year. Uh, is that weekend good for you? I'm like, that's literally what we asked you for six months ago. But yeah. <laughs> uh, and it just, somebody backed out. And I don't know who, or, but I'm going to send them a fruit basket or something. Um, but so it worked out and fate had it. Um, so that's where we're at right now. Um, so that's that's the date and the building. Is it just a flat fee and you pay uh, it up no, front? Or like no. How does, this, okay, how does so, the pricing yeah. work? This is going to be a crash like course. I'm going to help everybody else out there compete see, with See, kids, me. if you want to make... Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. um, no, but I'm, well, no, I'm, see, I'm pretty On the open. plus side, they won't be able to get a date at the county center, yeah, you're so screwed. it's going to have to be elsewhere. somewhere else, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm generally... I know a lot of people keep everything close to their chest, but I, yeah, I whatever, like to say talk whatever to... No, 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 that's fine. But I'm a big proponent of like... You know, I, I think if we do something, we're going to do it well. So just because I tell you how to do it doesn't mean you're going to do it right. And we talk with other vendors and we're all in the same boat. So if we help each other, great. Um, but that being said, you know, you basically book the building. Now, every place is different. I will say the county center is on the upper end of expenses for sure. But, you know, there's a lot of cool things that it comes with. Like, you know, for New York Comic Con, when I need electric, it's $500 for the weekend just for electric. If I need to rent, I can't bring my own power uh, strip. I got to rent one for 50 bucks. Um, just to get a phone line that isn't even fast Wi-Fi, just for dial-up for my credit card machine, it's almost a thousand. It's like seven hundred dollars or something like that. Wi-Fi, two thousand for the weekend. Oh so, my god! Yeah, now and that's on the upper end of things. But even at smaller convention centers, a couple hundred bucks for electric for the weekend on top of your booth right. fee. And Jeez. so the county center it comes with Wi-Fi. It comes with parking for the vendors. It comes with. Um, electric and you know they have the big screens in front and so there's a lot of pluses so you know the, the cost is somewhat offset by those things so that's step one you're going to rent the building now they charge you either if you're i think over x amount of ticket sales they take a percentage of the sales if you're under then it's a flat fee so okay. whichever is the greater amount they're gotcha. obviously always making out in the end they also charge on top of whatever your ticket price is a three dollar fee just like Ticketmaster would or something like that so every gotcha. ticket sold they're also getting a percentage um so that's step one. Now, where the cost really adds up, the building fees kind of, you know, it's not too bad. You know, you're, you know, you're talking like tens and tens of thousands of dollars here. Don't get me wrong when I say not too bad, but the cost is the staff and the labor. Not even your own staff. You have to use all all the building staff. And this is every convention center. I'm not just harping on the county center. Um, but like, you know, they bill everything high. So like, if they're paying a guy eight dollars an hour, you're paying thirty. You know, so they're profiting on the the hourly wages. You need to have county cops there and it's an obscene amount of money um, for the hours. So, so that's where things start snowballing really, really, really fast. And then you have cleanup charges and energy charges and surcharges for this. If you need the meeting rooms, those aren't included. You know, So for panels and things like right. that, I have to think in advance, like, are we going to need one panel room? Are we going to need two? Each one's a couple thousand dollars for the day. You know, and like that's, you know, if you need to rent tables, you know, one of the biggest expenses in the world is like you're spending a ten to $20,000 on just pipe and drape, like the, you know, the black curtains that 
well for the boost. I, you know, I did the math the first year. I'm like, okay, I looked in China. I was like, I can buy this pipe and drape for $20,000, <laughs> but I'm paying like $17,000 to rent it for the weekend. So like, why the hell am I not buying this? And I asked them, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. You can't have your own pipe and drape because outside companies will pay the convention centers, you know, however much money a year to be the only person that can do it. You can't bring in outside food. So like with the tattoo convention the first year, we had the Misfits play. And, you know, they have their rider that, you know, 10 Red Bulls and a fruit tray and this and that. And like, I could go to a store and buy a Red Bull for a dollar something wholesale, but they're like $7 a can because you're paying the price you would if you went to the concession stand. Yeah. And just so things really get out of control fast. And I, I, the reason I say all this is because like when I'm at shows, I hear people bitching all the time. Like, oh, this place is ripping us off and blah, blah. It's not the promoter. And sometimes it's not even the convention center. It's just how things are. And, uh, you know, and I always try to explain it to people or like, oh, my God, like Wizard World is such a ripoff. They're charging us $100 for this signature. And it's like, no, that the celebrity is charging you that much money. You know, Wizard World is literally or whatever convention on the line. You know, they're the ones who are taking all the risk, you know. So that's step one. Um, you rent the building out. You sign your contracts. You do this, that and the other thing. You rent your tables. You know, everything is a charge. If you if you see a napkin there, you know, you're paying for it. So. Yeah. That's step one. Step two now is booking the guests and things like that. And like I said, you know, even your tiniest Z-list actors are at least a couple grand. And then you pay for their flights. You pay for their hotel. They get, you need to have food in the green room for them. You pay them a per diem. So that, you know, $75 a day that they get just for food and travel, you need to pay for their um, parking at the airport, their baggage fees. You need to uh, pay for their car service to and from the airport on both ends plus you need to get them from the hotel to the venue every day um you know so thing again things add up really quickly yeah i mean a lot somewhat it's it's incredible i mean and specifically with respect to the guests i mean this this part is is especially fascinating so when you're i mean i guess where again where do you start as far as booking i mean is there a booking agency there's many or? many many okay. and there's a lot so some people are exclusive to certain booking agents some people are, they work with, you know, any booking agent. You know, me or you could be a booking agent, theoretically. Yeah. We, we find a convention that wants guests. We say, hey, I have X, Y, and Z. This is how much they cost. And that agent books them. Um, you know, the convention covers the guarantee, which we'll get into in a second. And, you know, the agent probably gets 5%, 10%, whatever it is. You know, they work that out with them. You know, I'm getting you 20 grand for the weekend. I get two, two grand and blah, blah, blah. Now, that's the other thing where they get you. So say you find booking agent A and you book whoever through them. Now, you need to fly a rep out and put them up in a hotel as well that sits with them and make sure, you know, everything goes well. And they're, they're their agent, essentially. So if you're booking from 10 different booking agents, you're not flying out and paying for a hotel for 10 different agents. So it's a lot cheaper to book multiple people from the same person. Right. So that's where they get you. They try and sorry about that. <laughs> they okay. try and uh, they try to get you in you know, locked in with them for a bunch of people. So that's step one. So you, you decide basically where your budget is. You know, if you decide you want to spend five grand or you want to spend 20 grand or, you know, you figure that out and then you try and it's like a puzzle. You go, Hey, how much is this person? Okay. Well, they're 10 grand, you know, blah, blah, blah. You negotiate, you do whatever. Uh, then you get this other one. So you you try and get all the prices as much as you can. Are they receptive to negotiation? Are they willing to work with you? I mean, <sighs> somewhat, it probably depends somewhat. on who. It really depends. And, you know, obviously the bigger the fish, the easier it is to do that. But, like, you know, if you're Wizard World and you're doing 20 shows, it's in their best interest to maybe take a little cut to do more shows with you. But if you're a small guy, you know, we're not the biggest show in the world, you know, you don't have as much negotiating power. Um, but that being said, you know, if they normally get 10 and there's no one else knocking on the door and you want to give them eight, 
you know, eight grand for a weekend of sitting at a table is better than not getting anything. So there's a little wiggle room, I guess. But um, uh, so that's really it. It's like a puzzle. So you say, okay, I got all these offers now. This guy's five. This guy's seven. This is this. You know, what? what's the best show I can put together within the budget range that I want to appear at? Now, this is where things get spicy. Um, if, let's say, I don't know, X actor from The Walking Dead is $100,000 for the weekend. Okay. Uh, you could probably guess which. Uh, or yeah. Yeah, you choose, <laughs> I mean, I'm, probably I'm just, a few I'm, of them at this point. Yeah, or, um, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's like the biggest show. So. But I'm not. I'm not even using anybody specifically right. here, and I'm, I'm not going to quote anybody's actual numbers, um, you know, for their privacy. But let's just say they're a hundred thousand dollars. Now, if they sell a hundred thousand dollars worth of autographs, photos, whatever, over the course of the weekend, you don't have to pay them anything. You still are paying for their flight and their hotel and their food and all that stuff, no matter what. But that's covered. So oh. in a now in a perfect world, that happens and everything's great. If they make two hundred thousand dollars, they keep all of it. So there's right. no upside for you. But not having to pay is great because theoretically all these people came to see them. They bought a ticket and that's what's in it for you. Okay. Plus it's, you know, promotion for the show and things like that. Now, a lot of times people don't cover though. So it's not like everybody's a safe bet. Even some of these big stars, it's not a safe bet. If there's a snowstorm or, you know, any number of things that affect people from coming, you know, at the end of the day, if they sell $5,000, you now owe them $95,000. So like, so just to, so I can keep this all straight. So like, again, like all the travel fees and all of that, that you're paying no no matter matter what, what. but they're, Which is still pricey, you know. Right. But just their fee for appearing at the convention. It's, it's a guarantee. Gotcha. You're guaranteeing them they're making at least $100,000. Gotcha. Okay. So now, again, if they don't make it, you pay the difference. And then on the flip side, they owe you. Now, if you pay them $95,000, they owe you $95,000 in autographs. So, you know, hopefully, you, you know, you're going to have a stack of autograph 8x10s or if you have pop finals or whatever. Um, so you can monetize that somewhat, but if this is a, a person that's doing this every weekend somewhere and you know, there's every promoter in the country has $50,000 worth of autographs. This is why you see stuff on eBay, like $5 autograph, right. whoever, you know, so it can devalue things pretty quickly. So you don't necessarily get your money back. So that's another strategy you can use. Uh, you find people whose stuff might be worth more money, you know, autograph wise, so that if you do get hit, you at least have that to recoup. Um, so yeah, there's there's that's one aspect of it. Now on the comic side, this is the really annoying part. Now personally, um, comic creators, artists, blah blah blah. Not as many of them to go around. They tend to be booked very far in advance. A lot of them are kind of moody people or like recluses, and they don't want to do a lot of appearances. Some of them do appearances everywhere, but they are generally very hard to book because they're in demand and they're booked years in advance. They um, cost same type of thing where you're paying for travel and things like that um but their appearance fee is just a flat fee if they sell if you pay them five thousand dollars to show up for the weekend or whatever number and they sell a hundred thousand you still pay them the five like there's no you're not there's no guarantee and i think that's kind of like a holdover from like how it was from back in the day you know they don't work in the same way um so it's kind of hard because that's just an expense there is no recouping that money and they don't owe you any signatures they don't you know and so that's why I say going back to balancing all these things is really hard because like you want to have a big cosplayer like some of these cosplayers like I've heard you know like the really big they might ask for a cut of the door because they're that big of a draw and they want 5% of the ticket sales or like so now you're dealing with that you're paying x amount of money to the comic guys you're you know blah 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 and then the ones who need a vegan diet and the one who needs this and the one who has their dog that they need to bring with them so you have to pay for a hotel and you know it's 
you name it. It gets really crazy really fast. Jesus Christ. Know? How do you make money off of something you, like this? You, you hope for the best, <laughs> you know? I mean, that's the thing. You know, in a perfect world, you throw an event, you have a good mix of all the things. People show up, they buy tickets, they buy autographs and photos from your guests, and you don't have to pay out, you know? But that, you're never, you're really in great shape if every guest covers. It's, it's just not going to happen, you know? And that's another thing to think of. Like, so let's say you book one person from The Walking Dead. Now, Oh, if I get two people from The Walking Dead, man, people are really going to come out. But maybe that's not the case. Maybe now you get 20% more people, but now that money's split in half. So now instead of one person covering or making extra, they're both covering 70%. You right. know? And those are things you need to think about. Also, like photo ops. Like, for instance, if you have, um, like there's a convention coming up that has Abraham from The Walking Dead, Glenn from The Walking Dead, and Negan. Okay. Now, individually, maybe each photo is $75, $100, whatever. But if you get all three of them in a photo together, now this is a unique situation that you're not going to get at every show. And especially those three, you know, that's relevant to the show. Um, so it's a really cool photo to have. So now instead of if it was $300 for photos separately, you can charge $400 or whatever, you know. And, you know, th so that's all other things you have to plan around. Maybe having too many people's bed. Maybe having the right people is really good because it creates unique situations. If you have all five Power Rangers, where the hell are you getting that photo? Maybe you can see a Power Ranger at every right. convention around the country one at a time, but you're not getting a photo with all five of your childhood heroes, you know? So a lot of variables, and we're just scratching the surface, believe me. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's... <laughs> and that's another thing, too, photo ops. Like, So, you know, if they're just sitting at the table signing and things like that, now you schedule pro photo ops. Now you need the photographer, you need to allocate booth space, which you could be selling to vendors, you know, and, and that's another thing too they take up space so they're sitting in a booth that you sell for x amount of hundreds of dollars to a vendor that's money that's also not getting recouped but now photo ops you have to schedule so like now i gotta figure out, all right now i gotta plan this panel that they're gonna be at, at two o'clock but then i need to take photos at three o'clock and even more moving parts you know so i mean last year you obviously had a number a number of guests james yeah. marsters we had james marsters from buffy we had um steve cardenas who was the red ranger the second red ranger from the movies and um the second season the third season um and i think he was on a little after that but i stopped watching uh we had um brian o'halloran brian o'halloran dante from clerks we had um uh, some of the other actors from clerks um we had um who else did we have uh, <laughs> uh we had a couple comic artists you know um and, uh, you know, we had different things like that. And that was, you know, for a first-year show, it was pretty... Oh, yeah, Kurt Angle from WWF. Um, you know, we try to have a good mix of things. And, you know, one of the cool things that we did, which a lot of places don't do, like we had a clerk screening, and then we had them do the queue. So instead of just having them do a panel, we, you know, you could go upstairs. We had a movie theater projection. We, You could watch the movie and then talk to them about it afterwards, which is cool. You know, I, I'm, that's one of the things we try to do is book unique things, you know, that maybe you won't see at every convention, so we at least stand out in the sea, you know. Okay. You had the My Comic Shop History yeah, podcast. Yeah, that was cool. No, yes, <laughs> that was perfect. And But things like that are really fun, you know? And Oh, man, I, I mean, I thank you again for no, the opportunity. Of it was man, so much fun to do. Yeah, well, you know, it's, so we can announce here now um, that uh, My Comic Shop History will be doing another live episode at this year's convention. Yeah. And Don't know exactly yeah, what it will be yet. yet but, but maybe we can do even something even bigger. You know, we're on the main floor now, so we have a lot more space. And cool. We, we could do some cool stuff. When am I doing it, by the way? Are we doing the 8th or the 9th? Are you still figuring it out? I don't know. Out? Whenever We'll talk about it. <laughs> like I said, the 8th is my birthday, so I'm... Uh, well, if I'm you want to do it on your birthday, you know, we, <laughs> yeah. obviously a Saturday is the bigger day. Sunday is cool, too, though. I'm game so. to do Saturday, but whatever makes the most yeah, sense. Yeah, no, 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 no. We'll figure it out. It, again, that's one of the puzzle pieces is the panels. Yeah. No, I can imagine. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm excited because last time around, the show was off. 
beforehand, yeah, so I didn't yeah. have an opportunity to say, like, hey, like, yeah. this is happening. Oh, so so it's cool. granted, we're still a ways away, but listeners, you'll have the opportunity to come out and uh, and see an episode live. Awesome. Um, it was, f- I mean, I know we talked about this a little bit last time we recorded, but uh, yeah, it was great. I mean, like, I was actually impressed with the turnout. It was it was a solid no, yeah, audience. No, it, was, it was good. You know, I, I can't complain for the first year. You know, it's hard. A lot of these shows just flop. Even, like, I see big shows that have been around for a couple of years, and they just lose their footing or whatever and you know it just flops and it's an increasingly competitive field so uh, you know definitely happy with it and like i said from the beginning we wanted to grow organically you know we're not trying to do a three-day show and book 20 guests and you know it'll grow slowly and you know one of the things that we're very going back to us being vendors we were very conscious of we wanted our vendors to do very well because they're going to come back they're going to tell other vendors and you know that's the backbone of the show at the end of the day um and we were very conscious of having vendors that we liked Right. Um, that had good products for the most part. You know, we see a lot of these people every weekend around the country. Um, you know, not having too many of the same one because that's bad for everybody. As yeah. a as a as a person coming to buy stuff, you don't need thirty people selling the same item. They're not going to make money if thirty people are selling the same item. And you know, we didn't place them next to each other. You know, that's a lot of things. A lot of shows screw up. You know, they'll have. You know, I was at this awful convention like a month ago. I mean, like the worst thing ever. It was, and maybe if there was a hundred people there the whole weekend, it was uh, maybe a miracle. Um, and, uh, they, they had booked this guy selling energy drinks, excess energy, which is like a little lower brand, but they're, they're known, you know what I mean? But then they had monster as a sponsor, 10 feet away, giving away free monster. So I'm like, what the hell are you doing? I even said to the promoter, I'm like, you, yeah. how could you in good conscience sell this guy a booth for 500, whatever it costs. And then give away his product, you know, a more mainstream version of it. Yeah, 10 no, feet that's away. not cool. That's insane. That's that's what I mean when I say a cash grab. Guy only cares about getting sponsorship money, getting a booth sale. It doesn't matter how he does. And But that's not a way to grow a show. Nobody in that room is ever coming back to that show. And for us, every vendor came up to like this. You know, I've had people say, like, they've done big, big conventions, and their profit margin at our show was the best they ever had. And, that you know, to me, that's very – I'm very happy to hear that, you know. And that means we we did our job right. I did my job right. And they're going to be back. You know, these people have been beating, you know, going back to that, not knowing what the dates were for a little while, every couple of weeks. Like, do you have the dates yet? Do you have the dates yet? You know, and that's great because now last year where we had to like walk around, like, have you heard about Undiscovered Rome Comic Con? Like, you know, why are we better than all these other shows that are flopping? And we have to prove ourselves. And right. we did. And now they come back to us. So that's one thing off the plate, you know. So every year, hopefully we just get bigger and bigger. And that's the plan. Yeah. Well, like I said to you uh, ahead of time, I'm trying to convince Jay Mizell, former podcast guest, uh, everybody's favorite curmudgeon, uh, <laughs> to get a uh, to be a vendor at the show because it's I mean, it's really literally right in his backyard. Yeah. And uh, again, he had the, the booth at the Porchester flea market for decades and he held on to a lot of his stock. He's got movie posters, comics, oh, trades, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I said, I mean, that is perfect, you know, and but that's, a t- you know, that's the perfect thing. You know, a lot of a lot of the expense for a vendor is traveling, you know. Yes, your right. hotel costs, gas costs, tolls, staff. You know, if if you can travel five minutes and go home at the end of the night, like now, now you're talking. You know. Yeah. So I'm 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 working on it. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll get Jay there. Yeah. Um, but so uh, going back to the guests. So James Marsters. I mean, yeah. you don't need to tell me spe- yeah, yeah, specifics yeah. of his, you know, guarantee and all of that. But what was it? How did you land on him? And what was it like working with him and his and his people? Well, you know, from the beginning, I always have people in my head that I think would be good or. I would like to see there. Um, and again, you know, I don't get hung up on just because I like them thinking everybody would. But, you know, that, that's where I start. So now you find out who their agent is or whoever. And that's another whole beast is tracking down the agents. You right. Know? 
Um, there are certain services you can use and you can be a member of if you're in industries and things like that, um, which list things. Like IMDB um, Pro, IMDb, for example. Yeah, IMDB could, Pro yeah, yeah. would be a good example of that. And each different industry, though, has a different thing. The comic artists don't have agents as much as they work for themselves. And sometimes they might be awful. You might email them and four months later you get an email back. I'm not even exaggerating. So that's its own beast. But all right, so going back to this. Now, say I wanted X person from this show and I contact their agent Either they're too much or they're not available, um, but they'll send you their roster. And you go through their roster and you say, oh, they have this. Maybe this will work. Maybe. And that's that's pretty much how that happened. I was like, um, we were booking another guest. Not that he was like second rate or anything like that, but it just wasn't on our radar. And then I was like, oh, that's a very good guest, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it worked out. And so, you know, that's where that happened. Another thing, another pitfall is if you book somebody six months out, you know, and then all of a sudden they have a movie to film or they have right. to reshoot for a movie they already filmed or a TV show or a promotional appearance. They can just drop out. You know, that's why you see a lot of these conventions like a day before, like so-and-so can't make it. But sometimes they're contractually obligated, you know, and there's nothing you can do about that. And that sucks because you've already wasted money spending, advertising. Yeah. And that's another problem that happens constantly. So, and, you know, there's certain people that I really wanted last year. One of them, it was their son's birthday. So he's like, I can't come. You know, uh, If it was any other day, he would have been there. Or another one that I really wanted, they were they got picked up on a new TV show and they had to start filming that week. And you know, things like that. One of the guests I was trying to book this year um, that uh, we wanted last year, but they were already booked for another show. Then this year, they're contractually obligated. There's a big, big movie that they're in coming out during right before. So they have to do all promotion on TV shows. You know, and that's... Um, that times a million different things, you know, that you also have to work around, which is a nightmare. Right. Yeah, and I know it's tough because you don't always know who's gonna who's gonna bring in the audience. I mean, like for so for Marsters in particular. I mean, again, I um, it might be too tough to Very quantify, but like, yeah, I mean, to to what extent do you, you know, were you able to track, you know, how many people oh, well, he brought you in? Know, or? He was he was worth his weight in gold, I'd say. You know, so there's a couple things you could look at, like. He also, he was in a band and he performs solo. So we also, in addition to having him there, we were able to have him perform a concert, which is another thing you can promote and another thing for the fans to come for. So the more that the fans can come for, the more it's worthwhile for them, obviously, to spend their money and come out. Um, he also is really good. Another thing that I look for, side note, is I see these people at a lot of shows throughout the year, like we said. I can see some people are just prima donnas or assholes or they treat the staff badly. They're not very good to their fans. They're just like, eh. Here, right. Where's my money? And then there's the people who you can tell really care. They spend a couple minutes talking to each person. That's another thing for me. It's not all about money. Like, you know, I can tell what, and that brings a lot to the show too, because if you go to X show and William Shatner is an asshole to you, you know, they're going to be like, ah, oh, I was at Wizard World and William Shatner yeah. was a real asshole. And they associate that with the show sometimes. And that, you have nothing that you can't control that. So he was really good at that aspect. He spent a lot of time with the fans. He had the concert. He was a very nice guy. Um, so, and it was a crowd that you might not normally get, you know, a lot of his fans are very intense. <laughs> uh, they're really, you know, they love him and you know, they, they might've grown up being in love with him, you know? And so they really want to see him. And there's a lot of women, obviously, which you might not get for something else, you know? Right. So talking about diversifying again, you know, that's, that was something that really worked out. Have you tried to get anyone from Smallville? I haven't. Uh, I don't. I didn't watch the show. So first off, I'll say that I'm not as familiar with it. Um, but I didn't watch Buffy really either. So it's not that that's you know yeah. I don't know it. I'm not booking it. Um, but I don't know if I saw anybody from any of the. Sh I did hear. Was it Smallville? I don't. I was having a conversation with some other vendor, 
I, I don't know. I don't want to say it was Smallville because then somebody's going to think I'm talking about them, but it might have been. And that, like one of the main characters is just like a complete asshole or something like that. No, and, I hope it can't be Smallville. It uh, can't. Maybe it, it was. And I don't want to ruin anything. <laughs> I feel like it was, but I might be wrong, so don't hold me to that. But um, but yeah, I don't know it. I wouldn't be against it. Maybe maybe for you. Well, you can you can do the podcast. That would be uh, amazing. Make your life. <laughs> no, but that but those are cool things too. But see stuff like that. There's an overlap, and I'm all about that. So we'll see. So now, as as this show is shaping up, obviously you're still we're still a few months away. But how, I mean, how many guests have been booked? Um, so far, so far, I mean, there's a lot of stuff like on the back burner. Um, you know that, like I said, that whole puzzle thing of right. getting offers and piecing it together. That's basically where we're at right now, and we'll continue to book until a couple weeks before the show. So it's a constantly evolving thing. If somebody's done filming early and they pop up and it's a good fit, then you know they're we'll have them there. Um, but as of right now, we just have a uh, um, Billy the Blue Ranger. That's, um, yes, that's yeah. right. That's been announced. Yep. Um, we're hopefully a couple days away from announcing somebody else from another thing that I really love, uh, movie franchise. Um, and, you know, but we'll constantly be announcing things. And, you know, especially with the comic side and things like that, that's something we want to do a little more. Uh, I know that the guests for like pop culture, that's kind of starting to become oversaturated with shows focusing primarily around that. Um, where the comic side started to get a little neglected. And, and I've noticed, you know, that if you cater to that crowd a little more, they're underserved right now. And they'll definitely come out, you know, whereas like these pop culture people, they're all over the country going. And the thing that kind of stinks with the people that come out just for the celebrity guests is they're, they don't care about anything else. They're just there for that. And they don't really spend money with the vendors and you know again i'm not saying it's all about the money but at the end of the day if they don't make money they're not gonna come back to the show you know so they just come they get their autograph and they get the hell out of there whereas comic creators um people come out they want to talk to them they want to get their stuff signed they They might want to go to a panel yeah exactly they're more in the culture it's not just like oh i'm meeting my idol or something like that and obviously we're not some mega show so this isn't really a problem but like when you have your people that cost you know from the avengers you know 150 dollars, 200 dollars for an autograph or like 600 dollars for a vip ticket like they don't have any money left to spend yeah and uh, you know i can't in good conscience ever see myself charging somebody 500 dollars. you know i paid it i i did it from michael j fox but like where the hell are you meeting michael j fox and like you know i have a flux capacitor replica signed by the entire cast and he was what I was missing. And, you know, I, I would have probably paid $1,000, you know, if I was able to um, to do that because that's a real once-in-a-lifetime type opportunity. And so for some situations, I get it, you know. But for others, you know, it, I don't know. It's it just – I understand it's their time and they need to make their money. But, like, nobody thinks it's them charging this, you know. It's always like, oh, well, they're coming out for free and signing and this horrible show is ripping us off right. for $200. And no, it's not that at all. I remember a few years ago, Stallone was at New York oh, Comic Con. Oh, that's a case in point. Yeah, that's a. And I think it was five hundred dollars for yeah. a photo. Now he doesn't ever. That's the only show I've ever seen him do. Right. So, that's kind of the Michael J. Fox thing. But in the same breath, that's whatever agency decided to bring him out was probably like, "Hey, we'll pay you half a million dollars for you to come for a day." So you do the, the math, but. Yeah, I mean, I again, massive Stallone, massive Rocky fan. Again, I just spent all of Saturday at yeah. the Alamo Draft House watching all the movies, but uh, that wasn't something that was really even attractive to me. Part of yeah. it is I don't actually really have a desire to meet him. You know, well, like the no, don't meet your heroes type way. thing. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, Sylvester Stallone might be the nicest guy in the world. I have no, I have never met him, 
But he's not one of those people that I feel like you're going to get your picture. He's going to smile or whatever. Yeah. You're going to be on your way. I mean, but that's the nature of the beast with most of these things just because of a time constraint, you know. Stan Lee might be the nicest guy in the world, but when you have 4,000 people waiting in line, you know, you have your three seconds and it's time for the next person to come along. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, and I know, you know, obviously people are very excited to do that. And I mean, that's awesome. It's just that's something that like I've done it in the past. I remember the first San Diego Comic-Con that I went to. Yeah. Uh, I waited, you know, for a really long time to meet Jeff Johns, uh-huh. the, the biggest DC writer, and now he's taken on a much larger role at the company. Um, and yeah, you have a few seconds with him. It's like, hey, I really like your work. He signs your thing, and that's it. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'd, I'd feel differently, I guess, if you had even just a few minutes with the person. Yeah, and some, but some people do take that time, and that's what and one of the things I really do like about the smaller shows, where like, yes. you know, James Marsters, case in point, if he was at New York Comic Con, and you know, there's. I don't know, a thousand times as many people or however many times as many people. Um, he can't do that. And, it, you know, because now, yeah, maybe he, he, not that he doesn't want to, but he spends two, three minutes with each person. Half the people that want to meet him can't. And not even from a money standpoint. Again, like now you have people that waited for hours and don't even get to meet him and they're disappointed. So you can't make everybody happy. And it's it's a weird balancing act. But at a smaller show, maybe he can spend two, three minutes talking to you and you, you would get more of your money's worth. So... You know, I, I, I find talking to people who come and shop with us at these shows, like, they're they're kind of burnt out on the mega cons, like, you know, having to, like, refresh your page and stress the hell out to get New York Comic Con tickets, and then parking costs you $80 and getting down there, and, you know, they don't want to deal with it. They'd rather come to the small shows where you find your gems in the rough, and you get to hang out with people, and you're not crammed in an aisle. It doesn't take you an hour to walk down one aisle. Yeah. You know? So I mean, it's nice to go to a convention and not be stressed out. Yeah. and it, But, like, these smaller shows... Exactly. But these smaller shows are kind of going back to how New York Comic Con started. You know, not to say they'll ever be at that... Nothing will probably ever be at that level again. But, you know, that's what they started out to do, and they were the only ones, and, you know, it grew and grew and grew and grew. But I think that's what it's recapturing what people liked about it to begin with. Yeah. Um, oh, and you know, going back to the value of having comic book creators, I feel yeah. like with them, oftentimes you can get a little bit more time because they, again, depending on yeah, who it well, is. Yeah, well, some but, people, you, know. you have like certain people, and I'm not going to name names, but I've seen there's some people that are at every show ever. Um, and, you know, not that they're not nice, but they're kind of just like, you know, they're there for that paycheck. And, you know, they're like, yeah, that's cool. You know, and in and, and their defense, you know, even if you genuinely are appreciative of hearing, oh, I love your work. I'm like, you know, after, after a while, hundred thousandth yeah. time, like, what do you say? You know, you <laughs> smile politely and, you, you know, um, but but then there's people like, you know, we had Staranko out last year and that guy's known for, you know, you're waiting in line. Even if there's five people online, you're waiting an hour because he's telling you a story. I but it was great because, like, when I talked to him about doing the show, I had to wait in line. Originally, I didn't talk to him via email. I actually saw him in person, and um, it was great. Like I was loved listening to these stories. You know, you're hearing like, and then I had to punch this other writer <laughs> in the face. You know, and he's talking about other well-known people. Like, you know, <laughs> and it's like I caught him in the elevator and I punched him right in the face and blah blah. And it's great, you know. So there's both sides to that too. Yeah. Um, now again, I know you we mentioned the. Um more with the celebrity guests their their contracts their riders yeah again you don't have to you know yeah, say yeah, course, who, you know what belongs to, to which person but uh what are some of the craziest or most unusual <laughs> riders that um, you've encountered well, so i've seen some wacky stuff online like the smoking gun is a website where they post people's riders and stuff like that and some of them are tongue-in-cheek like and then some are absolutely nuts like you know i haven't had like the i want a bowl of only orange m&ms type thing or something like that but you know like i had one band that was like, I need two gallons of whey protein, uh, 
you know, blah, 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 blah. And what you'll find too is, especially with bands more than like guests, depending on what day of the week it is, they ask for different things because they're using it as a way like, if it's a Tuesday show, I need a bag of size 13 tube socks and blah, 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 because they use that to restock on everything. And like, <laughs> um, so I'm trying to think of what the, the, the whey protein and all that workout stuff was probably the craziest one that I came across. But like, sometimes it'll be like, I need a deli spread with seven pepperonis and 14 of the, and it's very specific. And I mean, I guess so you'd get what you're supposed to get, but it, it's just insane to read through these things. And then like a lot of venues, like they have a guy that that's their job. Like you fulfill the rider request. So you're going, all right, I need 14 pepperonis and a cheese spread. I need two gallons of milk, one bottle of vodka, you know, and, but that's really what it is. It gets crazy. Have you ever thought about what your rider would be? Uh, uh, you know, I, I have in the past and nothing comes to mind right now. The sock thing, a hundred percent, because there's nothing better than putting on a new pair of socks. So I'm like, all right, every week I get a new bag of socks. Like if it's Wednesday, you get fruity pebbles. If it's Thursday, you get Count Chocula. You know, um, that that's probably I would put stuff that I just legitimately need. You know, yeah. like I want a new <laughs> hat or you know, I don't know. You know, you you name it. But you can ask for anything you want. Like some of the high end people that are playing like the Garden or something like like they're like I need five dressing rooms, um, uh, dressed in leopard print. Four full-length mirrors, like only this type of light bulb, blah blah blah, and legitimately, like you contractually have to fulfill these things. It's fucking. Crazy. I need six white tigers, or like it's like there's some crazy stuff out there. If you're ever bored, just go on the smoking gun and look at some of these riders, especially for really big touring acts or pop stars, like the yeah. divas and stuff like that. Oh my god, it's, it's crazy. It's amazing. And then so, you know, I know you said in, in planning the show, you want to have a balance. You want to have a mix of different things. Yeah. Was there ever any thought of really zeroing in on one thing in particular or would that be too risky? Cause no, no, no. I mean, I think there's a lot to be said for doing that. Like I said before, some shows try to balance everything and some shows are very niche shows. Like I was thinking of, I've actually never been, but Heroes Con in North Carolina. Yeah. From what I've heard, it's very art centric. Yeah. Um, so, you know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's the thing. I think if you're going to do that, it needs to be something that you personally are very well versed in and know very like if we ran popcon or something like yeah obviously we know that very well and blah 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 um so you really need to be first and foremost a fan and well versed so that's the thing um and you you know you need to not have something else that's doing the same thing nearby and you know so there there's a lot to be said to be doing that we didn't try to do that i, I don't want to say we're trying to appeal to everybody as much as possible but we don't want to like do too many things and not do any of them well. So if we're going to do five different things, we want to do five different things well, and that's the hard part. Um, but by default, there's always going to be something that you lean more towards, I think. Like, you know, I think one of our strong points going forward will hopefully be a diverse vendor group um, or things like that, you know, instead of just accepting anybody. You know, case in point, like last year, there was a point. We sold out of booths, um, you know, before the show, but, there, you know, a couple of weeks, months, or whatever it was before, you know, we say we had 20 booths. I'm just making numbers up here, but say we had 20 booths left and we already had three people selling t-shirts. We had probably 10 different people that wanted to sell t-shirts, so money in hand for the booth. Now, it's our first year show. We don't know if we're going to sell those 20 booths and that's the backbone right. of recouping money and stuff like that, but we were like, no, you know, not because you're not, we don't want you there, but like, what's the point? You're not going to do well. We're going to, these people that already signed up and came on board early, we want to be loyal to them. And, and that's something that a lot of shows do not do. And, you know, even the big shows now, like, I, you know, I see, I'm in a lot of vendor groups where they rate shows and things like that. And it's, it's helpful. And we talk to each other. Um, you know, th they might have been doing a show for 10 years and now they're all of a sudden like, oh, sorry, we don't have space for you. And uh, it's, it's a hard nut to crack because 
part of me is like, oh, that's bullshit. You know, I, I'm a very loyal person. And if somebody helped me out, I'm, I'm there with them till the end of time. Um, but in, in another way, if you have your show every year and it's the same hundred vendors, what sense is there to come back? Now, a lot of vendors might update their thing. But so it's, it, that's another hard balancing. Yeah, that's definitely, you know? you know, but, uh, I forget what the beginning question no, was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, focusing but on yeah, one yeah. thing. I think that's going to be one of our strong points. Um, and then we'll fill everything in as we can. There might be a year where there's just no good media guests to get, you know, or something just doesn't fit the budget. And so it's always going to be in flux, you know. Right. And then as far as the marketing side of it, what sort of initiatives um, either did you undertake last year and or do you plan yeah, to Yeah, that's do this another year? very big expense. And... You know, I'll use the tattoo convention as a good, I have a good story for that. Um, not a good story, but case, you know, proof what I'm talking about. Um, we traditionally use tr traditional media like bus posters or mall posters, you know, whatever. Um, commercial, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, we spend a significant amount of money on that stuff. And it's really hard to gauge what kind of results you're getting from that. Who's seeing it, what the demo is, you know. Um, so after like a couple of years of doing this, I... I had uh, one of the guys that works with us. I made a poll, like an app for the poll on an iPad. And I was like, all right, your, your, your job this week is to stand at the door as people walk in. <coughs> uh, excuse me. Um, as people walk in, ask them how they heard about us. Did you see this? Did you see that? No, a quick thing because you only have a couple seconds to mm -hmm. interact with the person. But the overwhelming majority was Instagram. Like I'd say 80%. Now, Instagram was the only thing on there that was free. <laughs> uh, so I'm like, what the fuck am I spending $20,000 on advertising? You know, um, but, you know, obviously the other things still have value. Don't get me wrong, but I'm like, okay. So the year after that, Facebook and Instagram really got their act together with, they're constantly evolving with their ads. And it's a really underserved utility because you can really not only focus in on things like I want, white men from 18 to 40 that live in this area, blah, 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 or I want women that live here, you know, whatever. You can focus on whatever the hell you want who like these five things on Facebook and have kids and, you know, it's crazy. But in real time, you can see results. As people are liking, commenting, sharing, this is Bob from West Nyack who is 18 years old and likes these things and has no kids. And, and you can start to see trends and, like, if you – now I can spend the same amount of money and reach people that are in Massachusetts and, you know, they're not going to see the mall poster in the Galleria in Massachusetts. And so, you know, it's, it's a constantly evolving thing, but social media, you know, if you rely on it too much, it's also a problem. But I think that you, you can get 10 times the reach for 10 times less the money, you know, and that's a large chunk of it these days, but it's constantly evolving. Like what you could do on Instagram today versus what you could do six months ago is worlds apart and who knows what it'll be by the time the show happens. So, you know, that's kind of where our focus is. Um, but every show is unique in that. Like, if, if I said this was gangbusters for us and it delivered us 10,000 people or something like that, and I gave it to you and you're running a, t a different show, you might get nothing off of it. You know, every market's different. Every show's different. Your user base is different. Like, you know, we're in Westchester County. What works advertising here might not work in Georgia, you know? I, right. So... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's something I'm always, I mean, that's a big piece of my day job uh -huh. at the law school is, you know, is marketing. And then with my various podcasts and documentary projects, that's, you know, always something I'm trying to figure out as well. It's like, what's the, the best way to reach people and get them to take action? Well, that's, which that's is really too. the hard part. But I mean, I as found. a marketer, I mean, you know, you have your like standard stuff like, all right, I'm going to make five variations, var ugh, I can't speak, five variations of this post and maybe 
each one has a different picture or a slightly different picture or wording. And one sometimes, for no reason at all, it just clicks with people more. And this one might get 20 times the amount of attention. So then you shift your marketing to that. And it, there is no, at the end of the day, there's really no rhyme or reason to it. You're really throwing mud at the wall and hoping something sticks. But um, you learn, you know, and you learn what works for you. Yeah. Well, I wish you lots of luck with thanks, this year's thanks, show. I'm yeah. excited to be a part of it again. I, thanks. You know, yeah, we're happy to have you. And uh, best of luck with the Winter Wonderland and the move. Yeah. And all of it. Tons of of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a crazy month, but it's going to be awesome on the other side of it like when it's mid-January. Yeah. Hopefully no problems have arisen. It'll be nice to look back. <laughs> and then we can focus fully on the convention because that's full steam ahead from there. So, yeah. yeah, and you know, I'm sure it's you know stressful to have all that all those balls in the air. But I think it's it's a good thing to be it's to be busy and to have and that fulfilling momentum. at the same yeah. time. There's days where I'm like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> and then there's days where like you know, I see 20 people who are friends because they met at our store and they're all hanging out. To you. And you know, I don't want to get like sentimental and cheesy, but th- you know that means a lot. You know, and so it it is fulfilling. So it's cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, is there anything else that you would like to say? Anything we didn't get to that we uh, we should have? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Unless you have a question. We got to a lot. No. Actually, you know, one thing I was thinking, yeah. and I don't ask this to be difficult, but I'm just curious, like, because with, with the pops in particular, like, I know now as you're moving to the new store, you're going to be getting into comics and things yeah. like that. And I know from our, our previous discussions that well, neither one of us considers pops you know a bubble that's going to burst anytime yeah. soon yep. but is there any concern about because i know it is such a big part of what you do is there any concern um, about relying on it well too much yes or no i mean i, I don't want to say that it's our, our crutch or something like that because when we started we didn't even have any pops and you know i don't want to say that that's all we've leaned on it's a big part of our business model but it's constantly in flux and i try to diversify as much as possible you know if you look at us from an outsider perspective you might be like oh they only sell pop you see us at convention things like that i mean a large chunk of our 90 percent of our in-store customers are card game players and things like that so you know i think part of the reason i ask that is because gaming is one thing i just never got in like and for all my years yeah. at alternate realities and we used to do the magic tour I yeah know, like, i used to play there, actually, there. Yeah. i never got into it um you know D hero like if anything Heroclix were to have cool. grabbed me, I feel like it would have been Heroclix and it didn't. So I guess for me, looking in, it's, it's you know, I, I zero in on the pops. Yeah. That's what I'm most no, but, but no, and, and very, you know, you have good reason to. Because, like, again, from an outside, if you're not in the store day to day, you don't right. see that aspect of it. So, I mean, we do diversify a little bit. And that, I'm very conscious of these things. Like, you know, like I was talking about before with, like, the high-end pops. Like, I don't think they're going to bottom out. I'm not, like, going to be like, I'm, I'm not selling these anymore. I don't want to buy them from people or whatever. But I need to be a little more realistic with it. And... You know, you know, you just have to stay ahead of the curve. That's that's really what it comes down to, and di- diversify, and you know, that, that's really all you can do. At the end of the day, the collectibles industry—it's been around forever, and there's going to be ebbs and flows, and there's going to be trends, and you just hopefully stay one step ahead. And I think being like, you know, you love comics and you know the market somewhat, so you can kind of see the writing on the wall with certain things. And same thing with me. If I was just a guy who was like, I'm opening it. We joke around all the time because like some, you, you call our, distri- not our distributor, but a distributor on the phone. They're like, oh, we got these new Pokemans. The kids are all <laughs> about it, you know? And, uh, it's, you know, the guy, you know, they don't know what the hell they're selling. They just know that yeah. I'm ordering it. And uh, if you're that guy, you might get caught with your pants down, you know? But if you're in and you love the product, you should know it well enough to see the writing on the wall or move ahead or maybe this new thing that's coming out you you buy you know there's not, there's going to be something that catches you off guard every year like these hatchimals that you know I don't know if you know those things it's like this year's like crazy tickle me elmo yeah, or okay. furby it's like gotcha. it's literally a furby that hatches out of an egg that you have to like get it to hatch like 
And but I mean, people are getting fistfights for them, and like they're going for like three hundred dollars on eBay, and they're fifty bucks in the store. And you know, you can't see that coming. That's half of that's just manufactured hype, you know. But we try, we try our best, and at the end of the day, it works great. If it doesn't, yeah, we can't say we didn't try. That's right. Well, you've been doing a great job so far, and like thank I said, you. I wish you lots of luck with everything moving forward. And thank you for coming back on the show. And no, part- thanks. I, I really truly do like doing this, and it's nice to forcibly stay off my phone and <laughs> not have to work or do anything for a couple hours and talk. I, I really do enjoy it. So thanks for having us. Cool. No, my pleasure. It, I mean, you know, I haven't done this for a few months, so it's uh, well a couple months, and uh, so yeah, it's cool it's for me too. Yes, good for everybody. <laughs> Just, yeah, it's therapeutic. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. I really do enjoy it. So anytime we're here. Awesome. And to our listeners, we wish you a very uh, happy holiday season. Yeah. And, uh, you know, be sure to uh, get some pops of stocking stuffers. Yeah, we have plenty in stock. Come see us before the, the year's up. And uh, we're at 44 North Central Avenue if you're local in Hartsdale. And, again, we'll be at 66 Fulton Street in White Plains after the new year. And we're always available on UndiscoveredRealm.com. Be sure to come to Undiscovered Realm <laughs> Comic-Con uh, in April and, and watch yeah, the podcast April 8th live. April 9th. That's yeah, right. come, come see the podcast for sure. And uh, once again, happy holidays. Thanks for listening. And as always, don't be a flat squirrel. Don't go anywhere. The second half of our holiday double feature starts in just a minute. Are you worried about the lack of fresh content from Flat Squirrel Productions while the podcast is on hiatus? I recently released my new documentary, Wacky Man, The Rise of a Puppeteer, on Vimeo. If you enjoy this show and would like to support it in a very tangible way, please rent or buy the film today. It's a very human story of passion and perseverance, and I think you'll enjoy it. You can find the film at vimeo.com slash on-demand slash wackyman. If you enter the code MYCOMICSHOPHISTORY, one word, all lowercase, you'll save 25% on your rental or purchase. This is limited to the first 100 users, so don't wait. As a wise man once said, hesitation kills. Sincerely, I really appreciate your support, and I hope that you will check out and enjoy the documentary. All right, now back to the show. Welcome to My Comic Shop History. This is the Season 2 Christmas Special, and I am your host, Anthony Desiato. This is quite special indeed. I am recording at 6 Hilltop Road in Mendham, New Jersey, at a vintage toy and collectible store called, appropriately enough, It's Vintage. And I'm joined here today by a new voice to the show. Please welcome Alan Boss. Hi. How you doing? So, Alan, you are the owner of It's Vintage. I am. And... You know, I, I love doing this podcast, and and I love this medium that that we're working in. But every now and then, I do feel a little bit limited by the fact that this is strictly an auditory medium, um, because I'm looking around your store here, and I just I don't know that that words alone can do it justice. Uh, I mean, we'll talk a lot about about your shop over the next hour or so, but I mean, it is a, a cornucopia of of vintage toys and and other collectibles. Um, organized and preserved in their original packaging, you know, just meticulously. And it's it's quite a sight to behold. So, I mean, congratulations on, on what's really an awesome store. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I, there's uh, so much stuff that I want to get into with you, but just to kind of catch you and the listeners up sort of how, how we got here. So this show, My Comic Shop History, um, I, I run this podcast like a television series. So we do seasons. Um, thus far, each season has been uh, 12 episodes and a Christmas special. And the, the first season of the show focused on the closing of my local comic book store, Alternate Realities. And then this season, we shifted gears a bit and we got into the world of collecting. And we, we addressed a lot of different issues that coll- collectors face. But one thing that, we, that I didn't accomplish in the regular season was I really wanted to talk to someone who 
shares my love of the Kenner Superpowers line of action figures. And I've talked about this on the show, um, but the Kenner Superpowers Superman figure, it really was my first introduction to the character and collectibles. The Death of Superman comic got me into that world, but it was really that action figure that kicked things off. And throughout the season, you know, I mentioned it, I put the call out on the show a couple of times if anyone was out there and wanted to come on and talk about it. I joined and posted in a couple of different Facebook groups devoted to the, the Kenner line. Mm-hmm. And I reached out to some people on there and nothing ever came together. Wow. And then here we are, our last opportunity this season, our holiday episode. And it was kind of a little Christmas miracle. So a few weeks ago, it was Thanksgiving weekend and Sunday night. And my wife decided to, to turn in a little early and I figured I'll stay up. So I was flipping through, I was searching the channel guide to see what was on. And I saw that The Honeymooners was playing. I am an immense Honeymooners fan. I've actually toyed with the idea of doing a Honeymooners podcast. That would be cool. And I think that might happen at some point. Um, But I love The Honeymooners. Anyone out there who's not familiar with it, please do yourself a favor. Uh, Picks, the New York uh, Picks stage, they usually do the the New Year's Eve marathon. marathon. Yeah. Uh, So really do yourself a favor and, and check it out. But I switched to the channel that The Honeymooners was on. And again, it was just, you know, right place, right time. So I go to the channel and I see a commercial for your store, Mm -hmm. which is very unusual. You don't often see commercials for for any kind of comic or collectible shop. Um, And, you know, so I'm seeing all of these images and it just, I mean, it absolutely captured my attention. Uh, And especially, I mean, in particular, you you had me from the start, but towards the end, (laughs) uh, the commercial specifically called out the superpowers figures. And I was like, this is meant to be. So I was able to get in touch with you and we chatted and here we are. It's You're the exact person that I wanted to grab. That's why I wanted to air it on that station. Um, hopefully, hopefully somebody would see it. And um, here we are. So um, yeah, superpowers. That's my favorite line for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So again, this show is called My Comic Shop History. It's become somewhat of a tradition when I have someone new on the show. Uh, the first question I usually ask is, what is your comic shop history? Where did this start for you? Oh, um, well, I played with the toys when I was a kid, and I had a, a huge break. I was uh, into sports, so I wasn't collecting. And uh, about 25 years old, I walked into a vintage toy st- store, and there was a DC Superheroes Flash figure on the wall. And I overpaid for it. Um, but couldn't been happier. So I got home, I looked at it for the rest of the night and I was back at the shop in the morning and buying as many as he had. And it was probably an eight year period where I was like wildfire. I couldn't stop collecting. I was grabbing everything that I could, but it was really DC direct that ignited it along with the superpowers and for me superpowers is really what fueled the whole thing when once i rediscovered the superpowers line i was off and running so so just going back though to to that first introduction when you're a kid mm-hmm. um so do you remember where you were when you got your first collectible? i do i do um kmart i walked in and i bought a uh, star wars gamorian guard with my own money and um I actually remember standing out in the checkout line with it and dying to open it up before I even checked out with it. But I um, I walked home with it in my hand and 
I can't tell you what happened to it <laughs> after I got home, but um, that was the first figure that I bought with my own money. And um, I do remember having a lot of He-Man figures. He-Man was Masters of the Universe. That's that's what we played with, my brother and I. We were always into um, He-Man and Skeletor, for sure. So that was sort of what started it. So as a kid, you know, buying and, and you know, getting these toys, and you, you played with them, right? Mm-hmm. So they weren't, because obviously everything here in the store is, is yes. in its original packaging. Yeah, yeah. But as a kid, you would open things and play with them. Yes, none of these toys are from my childhood. I started collecting at 25, and everything here came after that. Anything that I had before that, couldn't tell you where it is. Gotcha. Um, so, and where did you, were you from this area originally? Where did you grow up? No, I grew up in Rawway. Um, moved out of Rawway when I was, uh, probably about 12 and, um, made my way up here. Yeah. I mean, I have, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but I have such fond memories of, of playing with toys as a kid. Mm -hmm. And I think that was really the beginning. I mean, everything that I do now, I mean, the the films that I've made and, and hosting this podcast, it's all telling stories and, that's really what I did with those figures. I mean, I don't know if your experience was similar. I, I only, because I was thinking about this in advance of today, I wish I could remember the storylines that I came up with or that I had written them down or something, because rem- they were involved. Absolutely. The imagination, I mean, we talk about it all the time, the, the, the imagination that, that, we, um, that we had as kids. I mean, I feel like now with the video games that are out, it's almost like the imagination is being given to the kids somebody else's imagination is being given to the kids you know we used to go outside for hours with the figures with the cars and make up our own stories have a, have a great time and um never with the video games so then sort of what was what was the next step i assume you fell out of it at some point well i got into sports that'll and, do it yeah i i got into baseball and baseball took up um all of my time uh, baseball camp, baseball teams, and then high school, and before you know it, it was college, and it really was, um, I worked in a kitchen one summer, and I worked with a guy who collected Star Wars figures, and collected them with as much passion as I guess I collect superpowers now, um, he really introduced me to the best way to collect, the best way to preserve, the best way to go out and look for the variants, and he really turned me on to it, and I didn't understand why he wasn't opening them up, and I didn't understand why he was putting them in UV bags, and I didn't understand any of it and until he showed me his collection, and... um that day that I walked into the vintage store and picked up that flash was basically the start of it for me. So did he tell you about the store? Did he bring you there? No, he didn't. I I found the store just by chance. I was walking by. Um, It was a huge vintage store. It wasn't just a toy store. So you had to walk in and sort of rip through stuff. And, um, but once you did, you noticed that the the guy who owned the store definitely had some cool stuff. A lot of Ben Cooper Halloween costumes and a lot of original Star Wars blue snaggletooth in the back of the case. You know, stuff that not anybody would just notice. And um, he had enough superpowers there to 
keep me coming back. And uh, I was there probably twice a week for three years, for sure. And that started when you were in your mid-20s? Yeah, about 25. Mm-hmm. So, and then from there, was that it for you? Oh, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're yeah, down yeah. the rabbit hole? I was gone. I Anything I could find, anything I could trade for. Um, I had, before I opened the store, I had... Um, Probably close to 300 or 400 loose superpowers figures. Wow. And I still have my carded collection, which is about 160, 160 carded. So now the the line itself, I know they went through a few different series, but they only mm-hmm. made... 30, you, 30, you, know, you know the exact number. Yeah, <laughs> 33. Um, 34 with the Riddler. I believe that's what it is. Um, yeah, I have multiples of everybody and we'll still continue to do it. If it comes across me, then it's going to go in my collection. I mean, I do try to collect as many of the foreign carded figures that I can. Um, I'll always add as many cyborgs as I can. Shazams. I probably have nine Shazams in my collection now. Um, but so when you go to that, that toy store for the first time and you, you get the superpowers flash, I mean, what is it? I guess this is like that X factor for any collector because I think we all have that moment where something just really captures us and right. it sets us on a path. I mean, can you pinpoint what it was yes, that did it for you? Absolutely. Um, the colors, first of all. The, the card design on the superpowers is amazing. It's, it grabs you. It's perfect. The artwork is, is perfect for me. The figures themselves, what I love most about them is the simplistic accuracy of the figure. It's not over detailed. It doesn't have a, a, a ton of accessories, it's, but it still captures the essence of the character, especially the characters that we grew up with, with the superpowers, cartoon and the super friends. Um, that's really what does it for me. To be able to do that without over detailing it, I think is um, pretty cool. Yeah, it's. I mean, like I said, you know, in trying to find someone to talk about this, I, you know, I joined a lot of the the fan groups online, and I mean mm-hmm. that that even to this day, all these, you know, decades later, uh, they still have such a following. And it is funny when you compare them with the figures of today, which are super detailed and, very. and they're very impressive. But there is something to to those superpowers figures, the simplicity, but while still capturing the character, you know. Yeah, and uh, I think that for me, collecting them in the package as well. Um, keeping the package in the best condition that I can. Um, those figures were meant to be played with. They were meant to be opened. They, um, the card stocks are, are not very sturdy. The gauge plastic is not meant to last 30 or 40 years without blister cracks and dents. And um, Some of the toys that come out today, the McFarlane's, the Marvel Legends, I mean, that stuff is... I mean, you need a, a good pair of scissors to open up some of that stuff. You right, know? yeah. So having one of those items for 30 years is its not really a huge feat in as far as collecting goes. So having a superpowers figure from when it came out, having it in mint condition now, to me, I mean, you're looking at 30 years of having a packaged figure that wasn't meant to be packaged. So, yeah, I think I think that was something you meant because in my my preparation for this, I came across an interview you did with mm-hmm. the local patch, mm-hmm. and I think that was something that you mentioned in it that mm-hmm. you know those figures they weren't meant to be preserved in that way. So to find something that's still intact, sure, like that is so rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I know, obviously, you said you have multiples of of, of, of yes, each of these. Which lot. one do you have the most of? 
Shazam. Shazam's my guy. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. He's the one that started it all. Saturday mornings, I watch the TV show. Um, the colors, the story. Um, it was always Shazam. Shazam and Superman, for sure. But the Shazam figure um, was definitely it for me. And um, when I first started collecting, it's just funny that it turns out it was one of the hardest ones to get. And... Um, I was always on the hunt for Shazam. So even now, I'm still adding him. If I find him, he's going in my collection. I even have a hard time selling him out of the store loose. I just It's hard to get rid of Shazam in any form. <laughs> wow. So there's is there no end? Like, is there any number that would be, you say, okay, that's enough? No, no. Just, no. But now, do you seek them out, or is it just what whatever you happen to come across? Uh, I don't seek them out like I used to. Um Sometimes somebody will walk in the store with one, looking to trade, um, looking to sell a collection. Um, if I'm in the position to, I'll buy it and I'll add it to my collection. Um, I'll troll online looking for something, you know, you bump into something every now and then. Um, but no, there's no number. I'll keep going. It's. A, I also, I mean, well, you would, you would know much better than I would because uh, I really only have a couple of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love them, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, I kind of the sense that I get is one of the things that that maybe is appealing about the superpowers line. It's rare enough that you probably have to do some hunting to find them, but not so rare that it's too hard or too expensive, right? I feel like it's sort of that sweet spot for a collector. Yeah, it, it, well, eBay makes things a lot different. Um, you can almost find anything on eBay nowadays. I think when you get to the level. The, the number that I'm at, you start to look for the more rare items or the foreign carded items. Um, and there are some collectors out there that are super impressive. Um, I've Since I've opened up the store and I've started to look for more figures, I've come across some other collectors whose collections are very impressive. I, I will keep adding as many as I can to my collection, but there are collectors out there who will, you know, they're trying to get every single one that was released. They're trying to the the, the different card one, the different countries, you know. Right. And that's cool. Gulliver, Super Amigos, and I, I'll, I will add those to my collection as well. But there are definitely some very, very um, nice collections out there for sure. A few years ago, I was getting nostalgic, so I, I went on eBay and I, I purchased a mint in package Superman. Mm-hmm. It was again, you'd be the person to ask. I think it was the Canadian version because it okay. was sort of the half the half packaging, the slim. Oh, the case. slim card, sure, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I still have that. And then recently, a friend of mine he had uh, a loose Superman that he was going to throw out. He said, "Unless you want it," I was like, "Sure, I'll take it." Uh, so I have that. No cape and no package, right, but right, that's that's right. out there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was at San Diego Comic-Con over the summer, mm-hmm. and I talked about this on the show. It was so so cool. I found this vendor. This It was, it was just kind of tucked away amidst everything else on that huge convention floor, um, but he had a bunch of the loose superpowers. Right. Um, if I had found him earlier in the weekend, I think I, he had more that he sold by the time I got there, mm-hmm. uh, but I did pick up. It was loose, but the battle suit Lex. Okay, cool. Because I figure I have Superman. I sure. Get the Lex sure. as well. I haven't pulled the trigger on Clark Kent. That's that's going to be next because I feel like I need to have that. Absolutely, he's a great figure, for yeah. sure. That was the mail away one. Yes, that was the mail away one. Uh, I think that once you once you get into collecting and you start to get to a certain number, you start to realize how many variations there really are. Um, 
for instance, some of the cards have the cape offer, some of the cards have the mail away offer, and collectors, you know, they want each version. So, I mean, it really can just keep going on and on. Then you go into the far and you go into the slim cards. Um, the slim cards are great, you know. I mean, I definitely have a complete set of them in my collection. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the slim cards were released in a gas in gas stations in Canada. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think that's what I read when right. I was researching yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing. Um, I don't know. I mean, for at least a little while, the temptation was there to try to get a full set of these. Right. You have a bunch of them loose here. I suspect yeah. I'll probably be buying some before <laughs> I leave today. But uh, you know, I mean, I didn't. Again, I didn't get that far with it. Um, I, I was happy, you know, mainly having the Superman one because that's yeah. the one that really has the, you know, the attachment for it's me. It's a great figure. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a terrific line. Uh, so they did three, there were three series? Three series, correct? yeah. Uh, were there, there were plans for a fourth? The plans for a fourth. Um, designs are out there. Um, even Lee's Toy Review put out some pretty nice photos and um, of projected figures and uh play sets and stuff like that so it's pretty cool i know there's some man bat stuff floating out there torsos okay. and and um there's some pretty cool specs and designs that are floating around so yeah i mean it would have been great it would have been great if they kept going because there's i could tell you that it's one of the things that drives my customs actually is the the amount of things that are left to be desired what were some of your? What are some of the characters you wish they had gotten to? A, a good Batgirl would have been nice. Um, a nice Lois Lane would have been cool. Yeah, I mean, again, as a huge Superman fan, mm -hmm. it, it drives me nuts that there isn't more Lois Lane stuff. Uh, right, which is why I try to customize her as much as I can. Uh, a Bizarro figure would have been great. A Scarecrow, um, Solomon Grundy, um, Grodd. You know, basically the Legion of Doom. You know, it would have been right. cool if they 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 had gotten around to a little bit more into the Legion of Doom. That would have been cool. Right. A nice Sinestro, you know, the counterparts. Yeah, that would have been amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so at home, so you have all of you know your all of the carded ones are at home, mm -hmm. and the loose ones you sell in the store. The loose ones I sell in the store. The customs I sell in the store. Uh, I do a lot of commissioned customs. Yeah. Are there any circumstances under which you'd sell the carded ones or that's an absolute no no go? It's funny. Um, some of my customers know that I collect and they know that I have multiples of certain certain characters or all characters actually. Um, but when they know that I have nine Shazams and they're looking for a Shazam, you know, they're definitely not afraid to ask me if I would part and... I just can't do it. <laughs> I just can't do it. Well, I mean, what I mean, I, again, this might be too tough to answer, but is there? I mean, what what is it that keeps you from? Uh, you know, that? I I open the store with my collection, so everything that's in here is from my personal collection. Um, I think that when I did that, I decided to keep the one thing that I had the most emotional attachment to, and it was definitely the superpowers. Um, so I say, you know, that's what I'm going to keep and everything else is going to go. I mean, I have to make room. So I'm basically just replacing all of the space I was using for this with superpowers figures. Speaking now. of space. So for the hundreds that you have at home, mm -hmm. do you display them and how do you display them? Yeah, I, um, 
what I do is I take a uh, plastic, a hard plastic comic book slip, and I slice it so I could slide the card in. It leaves the blister exposed, but that's the way I was displaying them at the time. Now with um, with the uh, the clamshells that are out there now, I mean they're great. Um, Zolos, I think okay. Zolos, and um, there's another company out there that's doing them too can't think of the name right now. So is there like a superpower shrine? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Are they spread out? <laughs> no, they're all together. Um, they're all in one place. And um, that room is is entered cautiously by everybody, including my wife. So yeah, they, they're all together. The windows are still covered in that room so that the sun can't hit them. Well, speaking of your wife, because this is something that, you know, this comes up on the show uh, every now and then. In the first season, we did an episode called Wednesday Widows, where I spoke to the female significant others of the male guests, uh, including my now wife. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really fun. And then this season, we did an episode with the dads. So we talked about how fatherhood has an effect on on the collecting. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I guess, I mean, along those lines, how, how does your wife take all of this? What's her perspective uh my wife is very cool she she understands it um i don't think she understood it at first uh it took a little while to ease her in um but when she saw the i i'm gonna say the passion that i have for it she um she's been very supportive she's very cool about it she um she doesn't she leaves me alone with it you know, she right. doesn't, she really doesn't get involved too much in it. And she, I mean, she'll stop me from pulling the trigger on a ridiculous purchase every now and then, but that's good. You know, honestly it is. It's good for me because I can just keep going. Right. Yeah. That's good to have the balance. Yeah, totally. Uh, but no, that's awesome that she's on board with yeah, all of it. Yeah, she's very supportive. Uh, and I mean, I have to say for the most part, I mean, again, in the people who've been on the show and, and the dads that I talk to, I mean, the that does seem to be the common theme, which is great to hear because you would, you would hope that the person that you know, you're spending your life with is, is, you know, part, if, even if not participating, at least supportive and understanding of it. It took a long, it didn't happen right away. Um, when I had this collection in one room at the house, the, my wife's a dog trainer and we have a German shepherd and she would, rip through the room every now and then and I would get home and I would see four or five figures laying on the ground and you know I mean you see I everything goes in a bag the windows are covered no sunlight cardboard backing I try to keep them in the best condition possible so when you get home and there's five figures laying on the floor you know it so it it took a little while for her to understand that that wasn't so cool right but she got it yeah, it's. I mean, I, I've mentioned this before as well. I used to be incredibly particular and anal about the condition of everything, particularly the comic books. Like, I was never a huge... Right. We were talking about this before we started recording. I was never a huge toy collector. Like, I had action figures that I played with, but it was really more statues and mm-hmm. comics that I collected. And the comics in particular, I mean, they had to be in perfect condition. And I, I mean, I would, at the store where I worked or if I went to another store, I mean, I would grab a stack of them off the shelf right. and I, you know, I would kind of fan through them and find the one that was in perfect condition. Now I really don't care so much. I've definitely loosened, but I, I can identify with that a lot. I take that same mentality with the toys. I don't feel like everybody does. So, um, I, I, I get a little anal with it. I, I I'll admit, um, down to the the surface scratches on the blisters and you know the corners 
being tight. I sort of take the same mentality as comic book collectors do. I'm not a comic book collector. I'm definitely a toy collector. Um, but I try to implement the same, the same discretion with, with the condition and the best, the best condition possible for sure. Right. I know it's funny cause uh, you know, when we first started chatting, uh, when we met this morning, now you mentioned that comic books, you know, you, you never really got into them. Mm-hmm. And I guess I find that interesting because you have, you know, again, these representations of all these comic book characters. How come you never went down that road? Um, I think that the, the really the time um, when I would have been able to really get into reading the comic books would have been when I was younger and I was really wrapped up with um, baseball. Baseball was my life when I was a kid. Um, when I was older, I was able, it was easier for me to pick up a figure and put it into my collection than it was for me to sit down and read a comic only because at that point, real life responsibilities were, were kicking in, you know? And, um, I think it was really just time, time, timing. Right. No, I mean, I think that makes sense. And, you know, for myself and a lot of the comic book fans and collectors I've spoken to, very few of them, in my experience, got into it as adults. It usually is mm-hmm. something that, you know, that kind of captures you when you're younger. And then, I mean, again, you certainly continue on with it. But uh, I think there's something to, to finding it at that age. I think the other thing that probably helped with not driving me toward the comics so much was the one figure line that I was most passionate about was directly tied to a cartoon. Yeah, that's true. You yeah. Know, so I, I was really identifying with the figures because the cartoon was, uh, I watched it religiously. I'll admit, I still watch it. Um, and those figures are, you know, directly related to that. So if the figures that I collected more than something else was more related to a comic book, character then you know what i can't say that i wouldn't have been a comic book collector or reader yeah it's just sort of the way the the, that one went you know no that makes sense so going back to superpowers uh i know they did a bunch of vehicles and play sets as well do you have i'm assuming you have those as well i do i i don't have multiples of the play sets i don't have multiples of the vehicles um i have uh you know a few batmobiles um I'm always on the hunt for a nice Batcopter, um, Hall of Justice. I've sold a few of my loose Hall of Justice out of the store. I'm not as crazy for hunting down the um, the playsets and the vehicles as I am the figures, and I think the reason why is space. They sure, really yeah, take up a lot of space. Yeah, the Hall of Justice is the not Hall small. The Hall of Justice is huge. I mean, even the the uh, Calabac Boulder Bomber, it's it it the box. It's a it's a box. You know, I mean, they're boxes, so they take up a lot of room. Right. Uh, are there? What are your? I guess what are the least favorite figures from the line, or do they all they all hold a special place? My least favorite figure from the line. You know, when I first started collecting, my answer to that would have probably been different. I really don't know if I have a least favorite. I mean, Cyclotron is, was never one of my favorites, but I look at it now and I say that his um, his action is pretty cool. The fact that his faceplate comes off is pretty cool. Okay. Um, so I've, I think I've learned to appreciate all of the figures. Um, 
some of the figures that I might have said in the beginning that weren't my favorite have come to be some of my favorite now. Like, for instance, the Penguin. I love the Penguin figure. It's it's classic. I love the colors on it. I love his accessories. Um, the It's just a great figure. All of them. I, I, I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. No, I mean, that that's yeah, great. I'm not that. sure there is a... That's a good thing. I mean, especially you spent, you know, the time and money collecting yeah. them. Because, it, again, that's something that's come up, too, is, and that was I, one of my questions for you is, you know, what kind of collector you are, completist or more casual. And, you know, again, this has come up specifically with respect to comic book collecting, where if you're a completist, you will very likely end up, you know, buying and reading titles that you no longer enjoy, but you mm-hmm. feel like you need to have them. Right, right. Um, so the fact that you enjoy all of them, I think, is great. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely do. It's uh, no one's ever asked me that question before. It's an interesting question. I'm very curious as to your take on the recent re-releases that have been happening. Uh, Kotobukiya and Gentle Giant have mm-hmm. been doing mm-hmm. different versions, all different scales. So mm-hmm. uh, Gentle Giant has the micro figures and then the larger figures as well. Kotobukiya has ones, I guess, are somewhat in between. And I have, uh, I guess, all the Superman ones that they've done so far. What are your What are your thoughts on those? My thoughts on those are the micros are I'm not crazy about the micros because I you lose a lot of the detail. Yes, you really do with the when it gets that small. Um, I personally haven't picked up any of them. Um, the large scale ones, they're pretty cool. They're they're pretty cool. Um, the prototype large ones that were released, I think they were Comic Con exclusives. They were, yeah. I picked yeah. up the Superman one. Yeah. I waited online at the Gentle Giant booth right. on preview night, and yeah. I made sure I picked that. Yeah, up. that's. I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, and then the the um, Kotobukiya. Which one? What scale were they? Were eight inches? Or I think somewhere around there. Yeah, they weren't as like the Gentle Giant ones. Those are those are large. Right. They were not that. Yeah, big. no. Um, they're nice. I mean, they don't look exactly the way I want. I, I thought they were going to look. I wanted them to actually be seven or eight inch scale of the original figure. Yeah. And the design has changed on them. Yeah, which it, is kind of odd. Yeah, I don't I really get that. I don't either. Because <laughs> um, the gentle giant ones, the jumbo figure, they really do look like them. Oh, yeah. The micro ones don't. I agree. They lost a lot in going that small. Yes. But the jumbo ones, they, they are beautiful. They're great. The Kotobuki ones are nice, but yeah, they don't, if you didn't, have the packaging you wouldn't know it was super absolutely i agree i mean they they stuck with the um classic colors and designs but other than that they're not really a um a re-release other than the name right part of me would like a genuine re-release same scale as the original absolutely but i don't know is that something you would you would i mean you have (laughs) so many of the originals um i think that i think i'm surprised that they haven't done it yet um, I think that, um, it may come and yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a ton of toys coming out all the time now. Um, why not do it for a line that has proven itself to be, uh, able to stand the test of time? You know I mean? It's a great line. So as long as they do it and do it right, you know, I, I like I said earlier, the, the simplistic accuracy of these figures. I mean, that for me is not just the superpowers, but Kenner in itself. Um, I don't think anything compares to Kenner and that's just my personal opinion, but they were able to 
really capture the essence of the characters without getting into the detail. And, and that's not to say that I don't like the detail in the new figures. Uh, the McFarlane, I think McFarlane changed the whole game as far as detail, and I think that's great. But when it comes to the um, capturing the essence of the character in a, in a simple way, I think Kenner nails it with everything that they did. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, yeah, there certainly seems to be an audience for it. So, you know, maybe oh, yeah. one of these days we'll see it. And perhaps that would be an opportunity to do a Series 4 and maybe get some characters that we didn't see the first time around. As long as they do it right, I'm all for it. So I want to I wanna start to shift to, to the store itself. Mm-hmm. And so I know you said, you know, when you were 25, you went to that vintage toy store, you got the superpowers flash, and then you, you know, you started down this road and you ended up amassing... I mean, how many how many items were in your collection, or are still in your collection, since the store is made up of of that collection? Yeah. Um, in my mind, I separate that now. I have yeah. to. Um, in my collection is are my superpowers. That's it. Okay, gotcha. In, in the store, I have. Um, I don't know. I think at one point the collection had probably gotten to eight or ten thousand items. Um. I've the store's been open for a couple of years now, so it's so like a years... round robin. To, toys coming in, toys gotcha. going out now. So how many years between that superpowers flash and, and opening the store? Um, I'm gonna say it was probably a 15 year. Okay, 15 year span. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I'm looking around the store, and I mean the the breadth of, of merchandise <laughs> is is really staggering. I mean, what? I mean, were you just buying, not buying everything, but I mean, what, what were, you know, what were your collecting goals, well, I suppose? Uh, DC Direct, when, uh, other, aside from superpowers, um, I am a DC guy. DC Direct came out and we had spoken earlier, Superman, the Superman release. When I saw that, it sort of kicked me off on DC Direct and... At that point, I tried to collect as many figures that had come out before that Superman figure and then picked up with that line and just started collecting. So if you're on top of it when they're being released, it doesn't hurt as much, you know, as it does, say, to now. If you you started to collect DC Direct now, you would have to, you know. Um, So, yeah, I was fortunate enough to pick up the items as they were being released and what I did was I you know put everything in plastic and and bought multiples when I could did not spend much money on anything else and um basically just started amassing the the collection I've mentioned this before but I always encourage people to like and follow the my comic shop history Facebook page because Mm -hmm. that's sort of I don't do traditional show notes, but the Facebook page, that's essentially the show notes. And I'll, I'll often put up pictures to accompany the episodes. And I have my wife, Stephanie, here, and she's been taking some photos of the store. So mm-hmm. if you're listening to this, I mean, I highly encourage you go to the Facebook page, go to the It's Vintage Facebook page. You can see a ton of photos of everything that's in the store. Uh, I mean, we'd, we'd be here forever if I was describing everything. But it's, I mean, it's like a mecca for, <laughs> for collectors. And as a DC fan in particular, I see a lot of DC stuff, which is great. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's, it's funny, I know for you, and this was one of the main things I I wanted to talk about, because I know, you know, preserving the past is Mm -hmm. sort of a mission that that you have and and a mission for the store. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I walk in here, and it is like, 
stepping into a, a time machine and, and seeing all of these figures and in their packaging, no less. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of these figures that I saw, you know, on sale at the comic shop where I worked, sure. which which takes me back. But mm-hmm. even beyond that, I mean, figures that I grew up playing with. I mean, I see a Lord Zed uh, action figure from Power Rangers, yes. uh, you know, so it's what is it for you that that? you know drives you to to want to preserve the past right. in this way what's the appeal the appeal for me is i think that nowadays things are moving so fast um everything is to, every day something new is out the, the technology it's just there's not much that's tangible anymore either so um these items are not only linked to my childhood to my past um but they are they are symbolic of so many things to so many people, you know. Um, plus, aside from the fact that they're like works of art, you know. But um, I think what they represent to people is it's uh, it's really a simple way to reconnect with the past for a lot of people. Certainly, me, and I'm not. I'm I'm not a huge technology guy and um it definitely it definitely is moving fast right now and I think it's a way to step in here and sort of slow down for a minute and look around remember talk about I mean I have people come in that see a certain figure and we could stand here and talk a, an hour about that figure or that figure line and when you're done you know they walk out and they say wow you know <laughs> that was really cool you know i don't have time to to remember i i haven't remembered or reminisced about something like that in a long time and anything that could bring that on or you know ignite that conversation i think is pretty cool yeah it's i mean i don't know that i'll really be able to put this into words but you know a, a lot of this season for me um, cause it's always, you know, while we tackle, I think some interesting issues for, for comic book fans and collectors and all that, you know, this show for me is always very personal. So, you know, in the first season saying goodbye to my store and even this season, you know, a lot of it for me was, you know, I started reading, uh, monthly comic books again after a long absence. And for me, it was really about trying to recapture that Wednesday new comic book day rush that mm-hmm. I had when I was younger and that I hadn't had in a long time. Right. And sort of my takeaway after conducting my experiment and talking about it on the show is that you you can't really go back again because I found I, I couldn't recreate that experience. I found that, you know, that that passion and that excitement exists in other ways for mm-hmm. me. Now, that was sort of my conclusion at the end of the season. Sure. But, you know, stepping into this store, <laughs> um, you know, it definitely conjures feelings and it's, it's something very, you know, palpable and powerful and... Um, Again, I, I, don't worry, Steph. I'm not gonna <laughs> gonna become a, a huge toy collector now. We don't have the space, but um, you know, it, it definitely does something. Sure. Um, again, I, I maybe not being as articulate as as I want to be, but it it definitely does conjure those feelings. It's really interesting. Yeah, um, I I do get a lot of people that come in and they'll they'll pick up an item that they see and they want to put it on their desk at work because it's the toy that they played with. I mean, I I personally have, you know, a couple of items in the store or items that I've sold that sting when they walk out the door because there is a certain memory that's attached to that item. I had a 12-inch uh, Christopher Reeve Mego 
when I was a kid, and I used to lay on my bed for hours, just not not so much playing with him, but studying him, looking at him, the design of him. I can remember the way he smelled, that that plastic smell, and and looking at the cape and the boots, and so whenever I see that figure, it brings up very strong memories of having him as a kid and I had um I had my brother who was a couple of years younger than I was and you know we were always playing with different toys so certain toys definitely bring up the past or or help hold on to it and um I do get people that come in and and we'll pick up an item just for that reason just to not to collect but just to put it on their on their desk or in their office because there's certain memories or feelings attached to it. Yeah. I mean, that's a very interesting component of this store that, you know, it consists of your personal collection, Yeah, which I I think, you know, adds a wrinkle to it. It's not like these are things that you ordered through diamond comics and you got in a box and you, you know, unpack them and put them on a shelf. I mean, you know, these were in your home. I mean, it's definitely very different than other stores. It's yes. And, and when people come in, I do get into conversation with uh, some customers when, when it's your collection that you're opening a store with, and didn't have the intention of selling you're collecting what you hope to be the best of what you can find so the store really is comprised of the best of what i could find for my personal collection at the time yeah i mean it's i guess what's interesting too is seeing all of these things in one place because obviously they all came out at different times over decades Mm -hmm. and while there certainly has been overlap i mean you know i'm looking around i mean there's definitely a bunch of stuff that i remember seeing on the wall together at alternate realities for example so i see the batman hush figures and uh the figures that they did based on the alex ross justice series for example Mm -hmm. um but there's so much you know there's so much other merchandise here that you know never shared wall space right to see it all together i mean obviously it's a store but it also does have that museum quality to it as well where you have you really have preserved something and and put together a representation of of an entire hobby it's really remarkable yeah absolutely it's funny because i'm here i'm here so many hours in the day and it almost reminds me of my toy room at home you know so it's it's this is where i this is where i am all day this is where i do my customs this is where i'm working all day and i'm surrounded by all of the items that i collected so it's kind of cool it's like my office you know right yeah so you said you've been in business now a couple of years Mm -hmm. and so what you know what led you from collector to retailer what was the (laughs) the impetus (laughs) behind opening a store with your collection um not being a hundred percent happy in what I was doing before, um, was in the printing business and, uh, family business. And I think in trying to decide what, what I wanted to do or what my next step will be either stay in the printing business or try and find something that I was passionate about. This was the most logical answer. I mean, I had so many items that if you're able to open up a store and not have to lay out for merchandise. Right. Yeah. uh, The hardest part was really just having a conversation with myself and saying, you know, this is what this is what we're going to do. 
you know, because it wasn't just the figures. It wasn't just the toys. Um, their books, I, you know, I did open with 3000 comics. I wasn't a huge comic book guy, but along the way I did pick up comic books and, and they're in here. Um, so there were, uh, a lot of different items that I really just had to sit down and say, you know, it's perfect for opening up a store. I, I my biggest concern was is I didn't think that I would have enough to fill the space. <laughs> it turns out it all worked out. <laughs> it turns out that I had more than enough. Yeah, it's. I mean, so yeah, you know, I'm curious about the you know the store, the business aspect. I mean, again, that's what you know, that was the, the origin of this podcast was talking about running a store and all of that. And mm-hmm. again, I worked at a store for many years, so I've been on the other side of, of the counter. What has your experience been like here? Um, I mean, have you enjoyed the past couple of years? Yeah. Uh, it took a little while. Like it's like a, a warm bath, you know, you ease into it. And I think, um, I'm not a big people person. Um, not very social and outgoing. So it's actually helped me in that aspect because I'm dealing with customers all the time now. I had something similar as, because again, I started working at the store in high school and I was definitely on the more shy and reserved side. Mm-hmm. And I credit working at the store with me kind of getting oh, getting past that because you're dealing with people all day and all different kinds of people, different ages, different professions, everything. And it forces you to get over that. It does. And you're also talking about something you're passionate about. Yep. So you couple those two things together and it sort of gets the ball rolling on something that you're, uh, takes you out of your comfort zone, but sort of gives you a security blanket at the same time. So I, um, I've had some nice relationships that have been built through collecting um it's definitely brought me out a little bit which is which is cool um but i think the biggest thing is when i was collecting i felt like at the time i was the only collector and i i don't know if that's exactly the best way to say but i felt like the only thing that mattered was me and my collection I didn't think about anybody else's collections. I didn't really care about anyone else's collections. I knew what I wanted. I went out and I got it. I collected it. Once I opened and collectors started to come into me and I started to see their collections, it was um, definitely eye-opening. Um I got a chance to see other people's collections and what they're passionate about. And there are some amazing collections out there. And there's some some amazing items um, and people who take care of their items the same way I do. And uh, it's like this revelation. You're not the only one, you know. So I think that's one of the coolest things is, is getting a look at some of the other collections that are out there and some of the other collectors that are out there. So that's been pretty cool. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I can imagine. And so what sort of, of clientele have you attracted? Like, do you have regulars or is it more, you know, just people, you know, exploring I, or both, I guess? I do have regulars. Um, I have I have both, um, but I do have regulars. Um, and then I have people who, you know, will come in once every six months and say, you know, I'm looking for a big gym camper. And uh, I don't have it, but they know that I could find it for them. So um, a lot of people coming in looking for items, 
that I don't have, but I get a lot of people in the area that come in looking for specialty gifts because they remembered it when they were a kid or their brother had it when they were a kid. A lot of women coming in looking to get their brother a Star Wars or a Superman figure that they remember seeing him play with for his 40th or 50th birthday. So that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it's the regulars that drive it. You know, the regular customers that keep coming back, they're the ones that drive it. So I think that continually trying to let the collectors know that I'm here is really the best thing because I know that if I walked into a store like this as a collector, it's definitely a store that, um, I would want to spend some time in. There's a, there's some pretty cool items in here. Yeah, I mean, as much as I'm enjoying our conversation, I mean, I'm excited <laughs> once we're done recording to, you know, to really uh, explore a bit more um, and definitely pick up some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it really is remarkable. I is it safe to assume people have a similar reaction as I did when I walked in? Because <laughs> it's, I mean, it it really it's eye catching. Yes, the 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 ones that are. I have one one collector in particular. He's a comic book collector. And when he came in the first time, he wasn't interested in the toys at all. He wanted to know what comic books I had. And I, I laid it out for him pretty quickly that I wasn't a comic book store. Uh, I do have some comics, and I pointed him in the direction of the best ones that I have, key issues, and, you know, he flipped through and being a big comic book collector, there was nothing in there <laughs> that really um, floated his boat. But he did stop for a minute and take a look around at the toys. And, you know, after a couple of conversations, he's become one of my best customers. So while he still collects comic books, he's now learned to appreciate the toy collecting and the... Um, the condition and and, and um, the rarity of and the variance on some of the figures, and that's really what turns him on. I think is is he loves having items that um, there aren't mass produced numbers on, you know. So he keeps coming back for that reason, and that's just him. And then what? I mean, I guess what is the relationship like with the customers in general? I mean, do they try to haggle? Is that is that a piece of the transaction? Because we would get that all the it's time too funny. At, the, at the store, it's, and I would imagine here it would probably be it's much funny. more so. I, I, it's definitely an aspect of this that I didn't expect. I I really didn't. I didn't expect people to. I figured, you know, what's the difference between me and Toys R Us? You know, yeah, I I don't see anybody haggling in the Toys R Us line. Um, yes, people will come in and they will say to me, what's the best price you can do on this? What's the best price you can do on that? You know, and, um, I'll always try to work with them for sure. And I always take care of the customers that continually come back. Um, I do find it funny that people even ask that question sometimes. Um, but I think the one thing that I find myself doing more than anything else is explaining to people um, the age. They walk in and right away they see a 20-year-old figure that looks like it came out yesterday because of the condition. And they have a hard time believing that it's 20 or 25 years old. So, 
you know, I get into a conversation with them and I explain it to them and, and, um, and they appreciate it. So they appreciate it more times than not. And then they begin to understand, you know, the rarity or even the price on some of the stuff. Right. Yeah, that was something we ran into at Alternate Realities all the time. And we had a similar reaction. I remember we would always vent about this. We would say, like, you don't go to Best Buy and right. slap a DVD down and say, hey, it's I know it says 20. Can you do 15? So why are you doing the same thing at our comic book store? But it's, you know, I mean, I guess, it. you know, we always talk about the, the community, you know, atmosphere. That was a big part of Alternate Realities. I mean, it sounds like that's, you know, a component here as well. And I think, you know, that maybe that cuts both ways, right? So you're able to have these conversations. Like I've never had a, an extended conversation with a Best Buy cashier. Right. I'm not opposed to it, but it's never happened. Right. Whereas I've had that a ton of those at the comic shop. And I guess, again, it cuts both ways because then you do get the, the haggling. So it's part of the, you know, part of the whole deal, I suppose. Uh, yeah. And I, I think that the, uh, the customers that, that come in and the ones that, continually come back um i think the the one thing that that we share as opposed to going into best buy is um or any other uh large store is that the item that's being sold or or looked at is something that both of us are passionate about most times so right um i think that somebody's always going to try and get the best price they can so I do understand that, and that's just human nature. Um, and I, you know, I always try my best to to work with them. But I think that um, some pretty cool relationships have come out of um, regular customers coming in, people that I wouldn't normally have met. Um, have any of those translated to friendships outside of the store? Yeah, sure, absolutely. That's cool. Yeah, it is. It's definitely cool. It's. Um, Again, people that I would have never met. So it, um, I definitely keep in touch with quite a few people, and um, it's it's put me in contact with some uh, other people who do similar things in the field that help me in my day to day. So, yeah, it's definitely cool. Going back to the pricing, so, I mean, how do you come up with the prices? I mean, I assume if it's something that you've acquired for the store, you know, how much you paid for it goes into it. But mm-hmm. for most of the items that are coming from your personal collection, how do you determine the, the prices? Um, I'll look at the current current prices, past like on, sales. On eBay? Yeah, yeah, past sales, stuff like that. And um, I factor in majorly the condition. Um a lot of time and effort has gone into keeping the item, and that's where sometimes there's a disconnect. Um, there aren't a ton of people that collect mint in package. I know that they are out there. So I have a mint in package 2002 Teen Titans Beast Boy, and he looks like he was just pulled from a case because he was. And somebody will walk in and say, you know, I can get that for $15 cheaper online. And it's the condition. They're going to open that figure anyway. So I, I try to be honest with them and tell them that they should. They should pick up the one where they're going to rip it open and, right. and just display the figure. Um, I also try to work with them as best I can. So I, I look at past sales, I look at the rarity, the demand, um, that's just for the the carded figures. The 
the loose figures, there's definitely whatever the current, that's just basically the way it goes. And I mean, there's some condition that goes into it too. The customs is a whole different, is a whole different thing. Are you ever reluctant to sell something if it seems like, or I guess, are you more likely to to part with something when you know it's going to a fellow collector who's going to keep it in that package? Are you ever reluctant if you know it's going to be ripped open? Uh, it's a good question. I was at first. When I first opened, yes. it's it's uh, It affected me more than I thought it was going to affect me. Um, I actually have a story. Uh, a mother came in here and she bought her son a Spider-Man figure, 19... 19- 90 spider-man figure not a big deal um but i'm being the collector that i am you know i spoke to the mother and i said well you know it wouldn't be a bad idea to keep it in this package and just put it up on the shelf and you know he'll have it in 10 years and 20 years and it'll it'll go up in value and it'll be really cool and she said i'm gonna tell you it's it's gonna be ripped open before we even get out the door so i said well you know what once it's done, it's done. It's yours. And sure enough, walking to the car, the figure was ripped open and the little guy threw the card back on the on the ground and they pulled away. And I ran out. <laughs> I ran out and picked it up and brought it in, slipped it into a comic book slip and <laughs> filed it away with the rest of the stuff that I collect. I mean, that's just the way I am. You know, I, it's not just the figure for me. The card backs are amazing. You know, the artwork, the design, and maybe that I'm an artist. So maybe that has something to do with it. Um, coming from printing my whole life, maybe that has something to do with it. Or maybe it's just because they're cool, you know? Right. Well, it's good that you were able to at least, you know, get past that and, and let it go. Yeah. And, I mean, it just it, makes the other ones all the more rare, right? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I will sell an item to to somebody and, and explain it to them. And, and sometimes it does it does strike a nerve or hit a chord and they'll say, you know what, I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to keep it in its package and and put it in my, you know, put it in the corner display down in the man cave or in right. the bar, you know, so that's kind of cool. Well, it's funny because I think to the uh, 40-year-old virgin movie, right. maybe not the best depiction of, of us collectors, but uh, there's always a bit that makes me laugh where uh, the main character, he's, you know, selling off a bunch of his stuff on eBay and he's having a little bit of a crisis about it. And he says, it's like, and they, they were all in their packaging and he says to his girlfriend, he's like, do you know how hard it was as a kid to not open this? <laughs> So, you know, I, I can imagine that's probably a, a tough sell when you have, yeah, you know, a, a parent with a child or, or just a child and, you know, trying to say, hey, don't open this. I get a lot of parents that come in and they look at me and they say, oh, you poor kid. You didn't play with any of your toys. <laughs> and I say, no, that really wasn't the case. I started collecting when I got older. But it's well, I, you know, I mean, I didn't have to ask it because it came up when, when we were talking. But uh, I was curious about that because I know ahead of time you mentioned this was your personal collection. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if it was stuff from as a kid. Right, and that's right. why I was like, wow, if he kept all of these things yeah. sealed, that's some incredible willpower I, there. I, I wish i i wish that i had some of these items when i was a kid i told you my neighbor was a a huge star wars collector and it ended up working against me because he had he was a couple years older than me and he had every star wars figure and we played with him every day and he was very very sharing and there was really no reason for me to run out and buy them and i was actually young anyway so we would just play with his figures, and at the end of the day, he's got 
200 Star Wars figures in his attic that he played with as a kid, and I don't have I have a Gamorrean guard somewhere. Uh, and he's got, um, you know, some great stuff. I'm sure there's plenty that are still buried in his yard. But um, I think that worked against me too. And then as far as cultivating the the inventory and and acquiring Mm -hmm. collections or pieces of collections uh how do you typically what is your buying process i mean where do you go what sort of stuff do you look for i know the condition is is important but as far as what you know what sorts of things you're looking for um it's it's something that i thought about when i opened um i put a lot of thought into how i was going to rebuild i didn't think about the fact that my items were in such good condition that I was going to have a hard time finding stuff that I wanted to actually attach my my name to because if people buy from me, I have some customers that buy to me specifically because the condition is, is so near flawless on a lot of these items. It's hard for me to find other items that are like that. Um, I imagined when I opened that I would have to go out and find a lot of these items on the road. I would have to go to conventions, shows, and it really didn't, I do go to them. I I do go and I'll, I'll look around, but believe it or not, a lot of very cool items are come right to me. People bring them right in and, you know, most of them are loose, but, but that's okay because someone might not want to spend for a mint in package item so I'll have the loose one which is cool because it gives me more of a selection in the store too but other collectors come in they bring in their collections we trade so I do trade with other other collectors and that's very cool for me because I have multiples on a lot of these items so it gives me um, a wider variety of items too and most other collectors do a pretty good job of keeping their items in good condition. Yeah, you speak the same language. Right. Uh, well, you know, it's funny. At Alternate Realities, we had uh, we would often have people coming in looking to sell their comics. And right. um, we called it shattering their dreams when we informed them that what they had wasn't actually worth that much. We, yes. that, that comes from the store's owner, who a yeah. uh, wonderful guy with the kindest heart, but really doesn't care for people all that much. <laughs> I understand that. Uh, or so he says. But anyway. Um, but we, you know, we called it shattering dreams because people would come in with comics from the eighties or nineties and they thought that it was really old and worth a lot. And we had to disabuse them of that notion. Uh, and when we did pick up collections, it was stuff from, you know, fifties, sixties, seventies. Um, so, I mean, how, how often do you have to shatter dreams here? (laughs) Um, and do you take delight in it? Cause he really did. (laughs) I do not. (laughs) Um, I, I, it happens a lot actually. Um, I think that what happens more often, though, is when somebody walks in with a bag of toys and they think that it's nothing. That's that's actually something that happens more often. Oh, interesting. Yeah. They'll walk in with a bag, an old bag of figures, and they'll say, you know, these figures aren't in their package. They're all beat up, and I will look through them, and I'll say, you know, I'll give you X amount of dollars for it, and they'll say, oh, wow. You know, I, I didn't think they were worth anything. I was just going to drop them off at the at Goodwill. And just building along the this idea of, of, of buying. Um, so, like, if you sell the Hush figure, for example, that I'm staring at, the Hush figure from the Hush line, is that something you would look to replace? Or, you know, it's gone and, and you're glad you sold it and that's it? Right. Um, well, I don't have to replace it because I have, you know, I think when that line came out, I 
purchased a couple of cases of those, so I'm lucky in that sense. Um, Not to, no. I don't mean to interrupt, but with Hush in particular, this breaks my heart because <clears throat> I had all of those and I opened them and then I ended up, I just brought them to the comic shop and put them out for right. like a dollar loose and uh, that was it. And now I'm seeing the prices on these yeah. and I really wish that I had not done that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was, yes, when I first opened, it's an, it's an interesting question. When I first opened, uh, when I sold an item... I would immediately, that second, that day, start looking for that figure again. And I stopped doing that probably six months into being open. Um, so, no. But if it's a special item and it sells, yeah, my radar will go up and I'll start looking for a replacement if possible. Or I will take that opportunity to pick up a figure that I don't have in store, didn't have in store before that figure went out. So... It's like a revolving revolving door of DC in here. It's sort of what it feels like. There's Marvel too, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm a fellow DC guy, so uh, you're in good company, and I'm. Good. I'm <laughs> um, so this is our you know our holiday special here. Anything that's been particularly hot or popular this this Christmas holiday season? Yeah, anything that's tied to the movies. You know, whatever movie's out right now. People come in almost religiously looking for anything they can find that's related to that movie. So, uh, Doctor Strange, The Avengers, they'll come in. It doesn't matter what the item is. They don't care if it's new or if it's old. They just want something that says that. Speaking of new items, so we, we talk a lot on this show about the Funko Pop vinyl figures. I see at least one here in yeah. the store. I don't I know, know how we got in here. Yeah, I know. This is all about, you know, preserving the past. So right. I suspect I might know the answer to this. But uh, what are your thoughts on the, the pops? Um, I got to tell you, I'm not crazy about them. Um, okay. But I appreciate I appreciate the following that they have. And it, it it's going it, to... The jury's still out on that. I, I need to see if they stand the test of time. Because I'm waiting for that bubble to burst. I am. Because they just keep going. Some of the prices that they're getting on some of the the rare variant and special releases are are amazing. They make you stop for a minute and take a look. Um, when I look at them, I find myself doing the same thing that I always do. I'm looking for the classic characters. I'm looking for the classic suits. I'm looking for the classic colors, the ones that I remember. And... Um, the one thing that they do that I think is pretty cool is that the spectrum is very broad. They, I, I honestly don't know if I could come up with a character at this point that hasn't been made in a pop figure. So there's something for everybody out there. Um, but no, it's not something. They're, that's they're not something I'm crazy about. <laughs> so uh, my wife and I, we we are big fans of them. We have about a hundred. Do Mo- you really? Most of them are TV related. Okay, and that's what we like about them. That you, you know, can relate to them, right? And these are you know characters and properties that otherwise aren't represented in mm-hmm. in that kind of form. Um, but it's interesting because so this Christmas special is going to be a double header. So we have our conversation, and then I also uh, just recorded a conversation with. Um, a gentleman who runs a store that sells a ton of pops. Mm-hmm. So it'll, it'll oh, be an I'm interesting sure balance. Very well. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, it's interesting to hear him talk about it. And he really has his finger on the pulse of, of this industry right. and, and all of that. And um, so a lot of the things kind of that you, you were mentioning, I mean, we get into that 
into that a lot in the other half of the Christmas special. Does he sell the pops because he's passionate about them or does he sell them because they're hot and people are buying them? Both. I mean, he's a pretty shrewd entrepreneur, so that's mm-hmm. part of it. Okay. But I mean, he's a, a fan and collector himself. He so, is. you know, he has that, there's that as well. Cool. Yeah. I, I, there's been some uh, some pops that have come out that have I'm going to say I had a hard time walking past. Um, the ones that you see in the store, honestly, not sure how they got in here, but, um, the Wonder Woman with the invisible jet. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I thought that was pretty cool. Um, there's some neat stuff. Yeah. I look one day people will be very happy that they collect them, right? They'll be vintage one day. Yeah. And I mean, I really, I give you a lot of credit because I, I mean, I mean, I really could spend the entire rest of the day here going through everything. And that's not because it's a mess and I have to you know, dig through things. I mean, it's just everything's organized very well. Um, but there's just there's a lot to, to kind of sink your teeth into. Yeah. Yeah. And if I had it my way, I would have twice the amount displayed out here. But my wife comes through once a week and cherry picks items off the walls and puts them back into inventory. She said you can't. You're gonna overwhelm people," she said. "Oh, interesting. Yeah, she she keeps me um, she keeps me organized, and um, you know, and I think that that might have something to do with the store that I walked into the first time when I when I picked up those figures because that store was a, a store very much like that. You had to dig through. You had to find almost everything was a buried treasure. You know, if it was a um, a vintage T-shirt, the X-Men Wolverine T-shirt in the corner I got from that store. I dug it out of a corner. Um, ben Cooper, Batman mask. Yep, I dug it out of the corner. So I have a I have a connection to that, and I would like I sort of like things like that. But she comes in and she, you know, she pulls down and organizes. That's, I mean, I do find that very interesting to sort of purposely hold back so as to not overwhelm people, right. but it gives them a reason to come back if they know that there are always, you know, new old things coming right. through. And I, uh, she's very, she reminds me a lot to be careful not to overwhelm people. You know, you want them, you want to give each item its room. So this is, this is things about retail that I don't know. So she said, you know, you want to give each item its own room, let people be able to see it. You don't want to tuck it away. You don't want to hide it. So... I'm a collector, you know, I'm trying to figure out the retailing side now. So, I mean, how much, how much more is, <laughs> is out there that's being held back? Um, probably, probably another couple thousand figures that are wow. not on the floor now. Okay. Yeah. In in this condition, I, I'm, I'm, again, very particular about the condition which is why I don't really set up at the conventions too much. That's, yeah, I was going to ask about that yeah. if you if you do any shows. I don't. Um, I go there and I look for items. Um, I'm friends with some of the people that sell. And as far as bringing my items there and setting up, uh, I think it's a lot of wear and tear on your items. And especially if you do multiple um, conventions, it's just, uh, for me, it would be very very stressful having to get each item there make sure it's in the condition that i want it to be in and then bring it back and set it up and then constantly doing this back and forth would be just too stressful for me you know i see obviously a lot of action figures but i also see some other uh somewhat unusual items i see some justice league toothpaste is that right (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. Justice League Toothpaste, 2003. Um, that's the Star Wars collector that it's his fault that that's there, actually. Um, he had purchased some Star Wars toothpaste in 1978, and I think it went on to become like a very rare toothpaste, you know, $250. You couldn't find it anywhere, one of those type deals. And I saw it and I picked it up. Yeah. I mean, I, I literally had a, an eight to 10 year period where if it was superhero related, I picked it up or at least tried to. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. So there, uh, a guest who's been on the show before, Brian Claudio, he is one of the biggest Marvel collectors you're ever likely to meet. And he... I mean, he has all the statues and action figures and all of that, but he really likes to find the more oddball items. So I'm mm-hmm. looking up and I see a Captain America belt buckle, right? Mm. Like that would be right up his alley. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It still has the gumballs in it too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> secret Wars. Um, yeah, with the, the secret gumball dispenser. Yep. I mean, you could find them out there, but to find it with the original gumballs is pretty cool. Well, as we, I've enjoyed this so much as we start to, to kind of wrap up here because, you know, it's time to do some business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I did want to touch on the custom figures that you do because I, I do find that very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, how did or when did that enter the picture for you to actually customize, you know, the existing action figures and create mm-hmm. either variations or different characters? Uh, where How did that start? for you when i when i first started collecting um i used to i'm always uh, i'm always doing or trying to do something creative so with all of my attention being on collecting and action figures it only made sense for me to try and do something and it's in my nature to try and make something better um so what i would do is i would buy wrestling figures because it was almost like a blank canvas and because you had no attachment to this and i would create superheroes out of them and that was you know that was fun but i was it was all very new to me I, i was using the wrong paints i was i had no idea what i was doing um as time went on i started to customize masters of the universe figures Thor, He-Man, you know, the, the crossovers, and I thought that they were pretty cool. So I started to do a lot of those and put those into my collection. And when I opened up, they started to sell pretty well. People were into those. So it just progressed. And then I got into customizing the superpowers. Now, that was a really, really tricky thing for me because, as I told you, I had close to three, 350 loose superpowers figures um, and very much varying in condition. So when it came down to customizing any of them, they needed to be in the worst condition possible, like a condition that nobody was going to buy, a condition that no one would even want in their collection. I'm talking broken arms, take pieces from other ones, putting them together. So it, um, it took a while for me to get comfortable with doing that. Yeah, I would imagine as a collector, especially with your favorite line, right, to it was. It was dismantle <laughs> it, it and repaint your favorite figures. Yes, it was definitely tough. But I also I had confidence in the fact that I could do it and do it somewhat well. And um and I started to do it. Now it was also harder working in that scale 
than it was working with six inch and I started to get into it and it, it was fun. I was getting a good response on them and then through posting them on Instagram, I've I've met some other people. Now there's some amazing superpowers custom customizers that are out there now. Um I met this one guy, um goes by the Cape Master. Um, provides me with any cape I need for my customs, which totally finishes off the figure. Um, believe it or not, superpowers capes are not easy to come by. People don't get rid of them. Hmm. Um, original capes, I mean, original Batman capes could sell for 35 to $40. And there are just not a lot of them out there. So, um, yeah, this guy makes amazing capes and basically will make... Anything made to order anything I need. So he does a great job and it finishes off my customs, which in turn gives me more confidence in doing the customs. But what I do is I try to create figures that were never created or I try to take a figure and make it relevant with a storyline today, New 52 figure, um, Nightmare Batman. I, I have a good time with it and... Um, I've been doing it long enough now where, and I've sold enough of them now where I've actually have a, um, a fan base that, that come back to me for them and, um, they'll commission certain figures. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. It's definitely fun. Yeah. What are some of your favorite superpowers customs that you've done? What, believe it or not, one of my favorite ones is the Lex one, the, the, Clark Kent, which was again a very, a very um, long conversation with myself when it came down to doing this, but um, Lex Luthor on the Clark Kent body. Um, so basically, just repainted the suit into a black suit and a black tie, and, and did a head swap. So it's more of a it's a slight custom, more of a modification. Okay, and. Um, but what's cool is that you get the Lex suit with it, you know, with Lex's head is off and the suit stands behind him. Um, and it's sort of in a, a glass case. That's so, very cool. Yeah, they come together. It's pretty cool. Um, that's very cool. And while that incorporates your background as an artist yeah, and your love of this, so that's really a perfect fit. Yeah, it is. It's 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 like a dream job, really. I don't know, is it maybe inevitable at a certain point to, to start getting into customs? Because once you've, for the superpowers, for example, you have all of them so many times over. At a certain point, is it is it inevitable that it's like, okay, I have to make, I have it, to make different ones? It's inevitable for me. Um, I, I'm not sure that it's inevitable for somebody else. It's not, it's not easy. Yeah, I can imagine. It's not easy to do a custom that you feel confident putting out into the world and saying, Hey, like I'm attaching my name to this. This is, um, whatever the figure is that you've created and it's got to look good, you know, but more importantly, you want to try to keep it as functional as possible. You want to keep the action that the figure comes with and you want to, you want all the limbs to move. You want the head to spin, you know, it takes time to learn how to do these things. Um, um, but more importantly, the things that, complement your customs make the customs better so I, we were saying the the cape master that's great but there's also people out there that are customizing cards so to take your custom 
and to put it on a card and reseal it and you're able to now put that in with your carded collection makes a huge difference. Well, I saw one of the photos on your Facebook page was the uh the Clark Kent yes. in a custom package, which is it's so funny because I in doing my research on the mm-hmm. superpowers line and you know we mentioned that was the Clark Kent was the mail away and from what I understand I mean it came in a plain cardboard in, box or just yeah. an envelope or something, it right? Did. It came in the Kenner mail away bag and there is uh through collecting and through retailing I met a guy um, his name's Thomas. Um, he, uh, can I give him a shout out? Yeah, uh, please feel free. <laughs> his, um, you can get in touch with him, Thomas at, um, qhsteam.com. And he is amazing. I mean, he does these really great superpowers cards with resealable blisters where you could just pop the blister open, put the figure in and then close it again. And, the artwork on it is, uh, look, I understand that with technology today, almost anybody could probably recreate a superpowers card, but you've got to sort of be a collector or a fan of it to know the little, the little things that go into it. And I personally can't do it because I'm not that tech savvy, but, um, he does a great job and yeah, he made that card for me and, um, the figure pops right in. It fits right in with the collection. So, yeah, there's some people out there that help the whole custom process and make it easier to start ripping any figure apart, which, believe me, there's always a conversation in my head about. Yeah, now I can imagine. Well, I got to tell you, I've enjoyed this so much. You know, thank you for taking the time to do this and having me at your store. Absolutely. You know, to anyone listening to this, uh, again, I suspect you're, if you're listening to the show, you're probably into this sort of thing. Uh Please, you know, check out It's Vintage. Uh, where where can people find you guys? Uh, they can find us on Instagram at its.vintage. Um, and it's with a Z. I-T-Z. And we are also on eBay, eBay Storefront. Or you can find us at um, itsvintage.com. And the Facebook page as well. And I do encourage people to check that out because you can see photos of, of so much of the merchandise and of the customs as well. There's some right. really cool stuff on there. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to say about your store? Anything else that we didn't get to that you wanted to chat about? And anything I should have asked you that I didn't? <laughs> um, that, I think that's it. Collectors should come down and see us. You know, if we don't have it, we'll find it for you. There you go. What more could you want than that? <laughs> Well, Alan, thank you so much for being on the show and being a part of the My Comic Shop History Christmas special. Thank you. It was fun. Uh, To all of the listeners, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Keep listening. Stay tuned for news on Season 3. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. And as always, don't be a flat squirrel. (laughs) 